Mother man. Hey Albert DeSalvo, drinking Samuel Adams in my car down by the harbor. Before I kill bitches, I listen to Murder Metal Mayhem. Spreading faster than a case of the clap in a trailer court. Able to shatter eardrums within a 666 mile radius. A podcast more brutal than all the rest. It's Murder Metal It's nice to Albert DeSalvo do a little uh, promo for yeah. us. Eh? He is not a nice person. He's not very <laughs> much damn. at all. He's a piece of shit. And uh, that's what we do here on Tuesday here at Horns High Studios on the Horns High Podcast Network oh, doing dude. episode 118 going down tonight on Murder Metal Mayhem. It's going to be a good one, Joey. Fuck yeah, man. Boston's yeah, I'm pretty psyched for this stoked. one. Yeah, yeah definitely. Boston. Now, I got Chris, Joey here. Uh, how are you guys doing? Pandemic uh, surviving days uh, that we're still in. Still working Still for doing now. the same shit I do every day. Yeah, same here, man. It doesn't change much for us. So uh, just getting by and dealing with it. Fucking so it's, right. it's been crazy. But. Now, uh, T-shirts tonight, Chris. What, uh, what do you got going on over there? Uh, Malignancy, man. Nice. Fucking right, dude. Christian. Christian yeah, oh, Christian, Christian music. Hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> and Joey, what about you? Uh, I'm wearing the inebriated shirt. One man from here in Illinois. Nice. Uh, ben Kitchen, who also did oh, yeah. sarcophagy and fucking gorgasm. Oh, fuck yeah. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I got my Electra Voice shirt on uh, when uh, I remember when... We were trying to get some endorsements early on, and I remember I sent them an email because I've been using the Electra Voice 20 forever and uh, really like it. And I wanted to get one for Chris, and you know they're not cheap. So uh, so I wrote to him, and I'm like, hey, I've been using the mics for you know quite some time now, and uh, was wondering, you know, we're doing this podcast and trying to get, you know, sponsorship. You know, if you could maybe hook us up with a deal or, you know, something with a mic, it'd be awesome, yeah. you know. And uh, so I got a, a, a very form letter back, and then they sent me a T-shirt in the mail. Like, so hell yeah. I guess they figured uh, they didn't want to give me a t- or a microphone, but they would give me a T-shirt. Yeah. So that's all good. Uh, but I love their microphones, so... Me and Chris are using Electra Voice stuff and have pretty much since we've been doing this with the first couple, maybe not. No, but, not the first couple. But uh, pretty early on. So anyway, last week was a good one, guys. We had Jesse from Incinerate on oh, with yeah. us talking that about some Minnesota sweet. shit, Chris. That was fucking all crazy. All that killing, all the weepy voice motherfucking shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Jesse oh, being from Minnesota, right. that was cool, you know. That's cool shit. We have never done that before. I kind of am glad that we came up with that yeah, idea, that you know. Because yep. we did a little medley. We did Paul Stefani, the weepy voice killer, as you said, Chris. And that was just fucking hilarious. I mean. And just his voice in general. Yeah, his voice is hilarious. Yeah. And it was funny Stinky. when Jesse said that uh, the whiny bitch killer must yeah, have already yeah. been taken. <laughs> that was a great comment. So I really like that. Uh, and then we covered the 16-year-old axe murderer, David Brom. Pretty brutal shit. Yeah, yeah. like 56 blows with an axe, man. Between his family, yeah. But still, yeah. that's fucked up, man. Mom, dad, sis, and Not nine-year-old good. brother fucking hacked up with an axe. Fucking wicked. Jesus. Uh, and then we also did that school shooter, Chris, on the Indian reservation, uh, Jeff Weiss. 
uh, and that was you know horrible. Those school shooting stories are awful. Oh yeah. But uh, so that was a good one. We had Jesse on. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we had CK talking about the metal band Agent Steel, which Fox was Fox one Fox. I didn't know a lot about. I know you guys didn't really either, so that right. was cool. Uh, always talking good metal news with CK, Hell and then yeah. Joey, you talked about the great HOI. Yes, Hell yeah, that was dude. amazing, man. The Heart of Illinois show that we just did on uh, uh, Halloween—that yep. was awesome. In the books, yeah, and we talked about that in depth. Uh, all the bands that played, and just some of the stuff that happened. It was just a good time. And then uh, you know, go listen to episode one seventeen if you missed it. Uh, we just did a, a thousand on that one, guys. So. Doing just about average for that episode, so that's really cool. Oh, yeah, thanks, motherfuckers. Yeah, Appreciate so it. thank you guys for listening. Now, tonight, we got a good one. I mean, we, we've been talking about this one pretty much since we started doing the show. The Boston Strangler had to be on the list. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Albert DeSalvo is the guy they think did it. We're going to talk about that. A little controversy yeah, with that. Yeah, a lot of controversy with that. Uh, so that one goes back to the 1960s with some really gruesome rapes and murders. A lot of older women, you know, not the typical victim of serial killers. Uh, a lot of controversy with whether he really did it or not. Um, and there's some DNA evidence that's been fairly recent that kind of broke some things open with the case. So really excited about this one tonight. I learned a lot from researching this one. I really did. Uh, so we'll talk about that one in the murder segment. That should be that should be, be awesome. A good one, fucking yeah. We got uh, CK warming up, guys. He's been scaring me because he seems like he just keeps doing all this violent stuff. He's been <laughs> getting ready for the metal segment tonight. He's going old school with the another classic metal band, Jag Pans, or I don't know anything about. Fuck yeah, I know who they are, but not a band I listen to a lot, but know who they are and have for a long time. But he's been throwing hammers from his front porch. I don't know if he's got like an ace endorsement where he's getting all these hammers. All the shit that he's fucking throwing all the time. Because if he's throwing shit off of his front porch on Wildman Street, I mean, you're talking about a lot of foot traffic. I mean, you're talking about going through drums of these things, man. So, That's a lot of fucking hammers for one man to throw. Yeah, and the police came, apparently. Uh, I just allegedly came over to his house to tell him to stop. And he was throwing fucking hammers at the fucking cops. <laughs> fucking so crazy. they just fucking left them. And so CK just literally zero fucks given. So <laughs> he's just monster, being a fucking dude. savage, man. Fucking so, monster. So that's CK, and he's ready tonight. Uh, we'll get him on, of course, in the metal segment. Killer Cage Match, always a fun time. Chris, got a few listeners to thank. Yes, uh, we have uh, Steve-O Morningstar, we got Mason Robertson, and we got Kelly, or Kathy Spaulding. I'm sorry, for so thanks a lot for the numbers. And yeah. Appreciate y'all listening and checking it out, but yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. We get the quick answers on Facebook for sure. Um, and then we have you know a good one going down tonight in the cage. Joey, we match up serial killers and killers and just maniacs. So who do we got tonight? Well, we got uh, two guys that kind of like having people do their dirt for them. You <laughs> Pretty know? much, True. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Charles Manson versus Al Capone. Nice. Hell yeah. Old school with that one. So I, mean, I feel that like Al Capone actually did get his hands dirty. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. Charlie Manson's going to be like crying like a little girl yeah. in this one. But, hey, the objects could make it interesting. So we get two good objects that our listeners picked for the going in the cage with them. 
So Manson and Capone tonight. And of course, that is in the Mayhem segment. So you don't want to miss that. Just keep listening. I've been looking, too, at some of our stats on Apple shows the percentages of, or how much of the show on average they listen to. Yeah. And we get a lot of them that listen to a majority of the show. Nice. Um, I know some people drop out. You get busy and come back to it later or something like that. But it's very interesting to see that stuff. Uh, thanks to the listeners who commented about my reading of The Creep last week. I had a few people email me about that uh, and posted some stuff. Uh, was a 10-minute piece of that short story. I do appreciate the comments. I got another one I did for you tonight going back to Creation of Chaos 1 uh, with one of my all-time favorites, The Jesus Tree, uh, probably as close to a ghost story as I've ever done. So. Right. Uh, pretty, pretty haunting story. A true thing that used to be in existence back when I was a teenager in uh, Danbury, Connecticut, um, where Danbury, Connecticut, and Brewster, New York uh, meet. There's a uh, the Jesus a tree Jesus was there. Tree. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. cool. So I wrote about it and kind of made up my own story. Anyway, I read part one of that, uh, and we'll do that later in the mayhem segment. About a five minute and so piece on that. I, love, I listened to that segment. It sounded good. Fucking, cool. So fuck yeah, yeah, cool. Man. Well, thank you. Fucking right. Because uh, I'm getting ready to start doing some audio books. So these little snippets have been good for me to kind of figure out some things I need to get better at, uh, things I can do to just help it sound as good as it possibly can. So right, I appreciate sure. the feedback. Uh, huge thanks to our friends, Spellbound Effects and Art. Man. Right, man. This shit is so fucking amazing. I mean, you take pictures of this stuff and they always get comments. I mean, like it's so that cool. fucking cool as shit. Yeah, bro. I mean, fucking. the spike and and the forearm with our name carved in it. Tony Campagna, Spellbound Effects and Art. Just an amazing dude. All about it. Got the coolest shit, Joey, on his online catalog. Absolutely, yeah. Body parts, fucking thumb drives. And he's always creating yeah, and no, he's got all these creating. custom pieces. Chris, he's got that fucking the fucking cowboy hat. The hat. They got the fucking apron, the fucking that mask, the baby that fucking head with the fucking the block, dead baby man. head was fucked up, yeah. dude. Yeah, so <laughs> so you got to go check it out. Spellboundeffectsandart.com and go buy some stuff uh, for that fucked up person on your Christmas <laughs> list, right? Yeah. I mean, what better for your dad, Chris? Buy him a thumb drive, man. Dad. Fucking roll with it though. Yeah, you know he would love it. Yeah. Like, all right, cool. Thanks. But not all dads can be pawbacks, <laughs> right? So that's a special kind of breed. And uh, we know pawbacks been going through some medical shit lately, yeah. so our hearts, of course, out and He's, fans uh, supporting it. Uh, Chris's dad, pawback, uh, been dealing with some stuff, but he's home. He's He's getting better. He's a tough SOB, so I, I not too off, worried about it. I took it. off work tomorrow to go to the hospital and get another procedure done. So Yeah. Yeah, so healthy. That's cool, man. That's cool. Uh, thanks to everybody out there listening. You guys are amazing listening to Murder Metal Mayhem. We keep seeing the numbers rolling in. We were just under 3,000 listens uh, this week, so that was cool. Always good to see it, so... Uh, we appreciate it. And fucking Lake Stevens, Washington <laughs> is still number one. They got 11% of the listens. Chicago, number two. Danbury and Bloomington have been tied or neck and neck for third and fourth. So that's those are the top ones. And we're seeing new cities constantly 
popping up on the list. Uh, Canada listens up. Uh, we appreciate all you guys. So oh, really, thank you appreciate very, very much. Fucking a, man. Just keep telling people about it. That's the best Never way. Never stop. Never right. stop. So Chris, Joey, we got a lot on our plate tonight. Oof. We got to fucking yeah. go uh, to Beantown and yeah. see what's going on with some old ladies getting Fuck. strangled, raped, and fucking yeah, left for fucking dead. Reckon we ought to go get a bathrobe belt and get our strangulation on. Fuck yeah, some new Fates warning. The song Shuttered World on the new one, man. It's amazing. Uh, their 13th album, it's on Metal Blade. I'm sure CK is going to talk about it in the murder se- or the I metal segment because no he did his, uh, his, his Thursday live on Facebook about it, and uh, he loves it. I know I do too. So that's just, a, it's killer. It just came out on Friday, so Fuck definitely tonight. digging on that. So tonight we're going to be talking about uh, Albert DeSalvo, uh, the man who is at least thought of to be the Boston Strangler from 1962 to 1964. So, Chris, a pretty short window of time. For as many victims as yeah. there was. Yeah, definitely yeah. a short window. I mean, 13 victims. I mean, holy yeah, shit, that's years, a lot. Yeah. They're killing at a good pace. He is. Uh, And he's done other crimes uh, and had been known to the police and the media as uh, in Boston as the measuring man. That one cracked me up. The measuring man. The measuring man sounds like a uh, like a superhero. I'm measuring man. He's like a ruler. My favorite is the green man. It makes me think of Charlie from fucking Always Sunny. Fucking. Oh, yeah. (laughs) When I I saw the green man, I'm like. Or the green bastard. Trailer Park Boys. Uh, the Stocking Strangler, The Green Man, Measuring Man, Boston Strangler. I mean, this guy had quite a few names. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, he was not even found guilty of any of the murders. No. And, of course, DNA, though, later would link him to one of the women that was raped and murdered. Really terrible. Um, yet, you know, he was suspected of a dozen more. So we really don't know. Uh, but we're just talking about things we've read and watched, and I learned quite a bit researching this. Uh, his childhood was absolutely fucking horrible. Um, uh, he yeah. led the life of a criminal with a very convincing gift to gab with the ladies. We'll talk about this piece of shit in detail, but Chris, I mean, how much did you know about the doubts that they had with DeSalvo in this case? I mean, is that something you knew a lot about? No, not me personally. Like I knew who like DeSalvo was in the Boston Strangler thing. And there was a, right. Some people didn't think, but I didn't know a whole lot. So yeah, I was surprised. I didn't realize there was as much uh, controversy about that. And Joey, you mentioned last week, you know, the kind of lore of the Boston Strangler growing up in, Connecticut, where you did, and it is funny. You grew up there. I grew up yeah. there. CK grew up <laughs> <Right>. there uh, <laughs> different times. But uh, anyway, growing up in that part of the country, yeah. you know, anything that you want to kind of add to that since we're talking about DeSalvo yeah, I tonight? Mean, as far as my interest in true crime goes, I'd probably have to say the Boston Strangler is a huge part of uh, the foundation for that. 
Um, I was really into serial killers through the 90s, Dahmer and Gacy and them. But growing up on the East Coast, uh, Boston Strangler, that was basically back then the American Jack the Ripper. Right. Because you didn't know who it was for sure. You know, right. and there was this whole mystery about it. You didn't know if there were multiple people involved. Like, it was just that super creepy tale of some actual murders that really happened there right. on the East Coast, you know, right. not far from where I live and, uh, you know, we lived. And yeah. So, yeah, it, like you said, kind of like lore. It was almost like an urban legend. Yeah. And then later on, you know, the evidence comes out with the one with the DNA. And, you know, that was cool, but I don't know if it really takes away fully from the, the aura that, yeah, I think there's still a mystique about it since we don't really know. I mean, obviously he's not around to tell us. Right. So, and even if he was, who can you believe him? Right. That's the other part of this guy. Total bullshitter. So Albert DeSalvo, uh, born in Chelsea, Massachusetts, which is, uh, right there, by Boston, right, yeah. Joey? Yeah, I think it's right on the ass. Uh, 1931. So he's born in 31. His father is Frank, is a complete piece of shit. Uh, I, yeah. I got to put him at the top of the list of shitty parents right. we've ever talked about. <laughs> he's up there. Above from... Sugar Bear. Oh, okay? man. Or C. Sugar Bear. Yeah, I ain't even talking yeah. about that. Like, what about fucking... Uh, Henry Lee's mom, though. Dude, I think this guy was worse than Henry <laughs> Lee's mom. I kind of think so, I, too. I think yeah. Anthony Hopkins is still one of the worst parents. Anthony yeah, yeah, we've yes. done so far. Uh, yeah, I got to say that. pretty yeah, bad. That's pretty bad. <laughs> He's pretty bad. So, <laughs> so he, this guy's a raging alcoholic. Uh, one of the worst pieces of shit I've ever read about. Uh, raising kids to become serial killer 101 is this guy. Yeah, he kind of teaches them crime yeah, in general. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the, the shit he did to these kids is so fucking beyond any comparison. Yeah. His mom, Charlotte, took a lot of this physical and mental abuse, you can only imagine. She actually came from a good family. Her father was an officer in the Baston Fire Department. Right. Baston. So Baston. that's cool. Yep. Um, and some psychologists believe that he had a lot of issues with his mom, which is why he did what he did against motherly figures like older women. Um, but we'll get to that as the story unfolds. And he does have two brothers and three sisters. And I don't think any of them were choking women out and, and d- killing them. No, so. I think... Uh... They were on TV talking about him and shit. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not saying they haven't had psychological issues because oh, for fuck's sake, I, I don't know how no you doubts. wouldn't. Right. But what I'm saying, and I know that you guys understand me, is you know, they not everybody in that fucked up environment turns, no, it turns into, into that. that exactly. No, it's I just like the saying. perfect storm. Um, now his father was arrested 18 times. So he was again, father of the year, uh, earliest memories of childhood, uh, were of his dad beating up his mom, uh, witnessed his father bending her fingers back one at a time until they broke That's just in front some, of the kids. That's just, that's fucked up. Like you can witness your father. Doing that's like some that. Jack like, Bauer shit. You know, that's God fucked damn. up, man. Um, he also, uh, uh, you know, the um, Albert watched his dad punch her in the face, knock her teeth out. Yeah, shit. knocked her teeth out. Um, his father. Now this is fucking crazy. Yeah. His father sold him and two <laughs> sisters to a farmer in Maine for, for nine dollars. 
How random and fucked up is that yeah. as a fact in a story that we're reading? This is someone's Have you ever heard life. of some shit like that? Yeah, this is motherfuckers real life. Me and my sister, three bucks each. Go. Yeah, if, like, I, if I wrote a story, Chris, with that in there, you'd probably be like, dude, that's kind of yeah, ridiculous. That doesn't make it? any sense. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck, Joey? I mean, what is the deal with that? Yeah, that's some crazy shit. That's you so get, bizarre. Yeah, you got to think that had to be something like devious. Yeah, and there's no yeah. there's no accountability of it. So you don't know. I've never seen or read no. anything. And I know but, Dr. Vronsky talks about it in his book yeah. that he really tried to find out. And like, there's like nothing about it. But I mean, in the shit that leads up to it and then the shit that happens after that, you can only right. determine Like a sex type of thing. I, yeah. I would think. Yeah. I would think so, too. It's so like it's fucking fucking awful. Right? It's awful. <laughs> Sex type thing. Yeah. <laughs> now his mom, to her credit, goes looking for him, takes her six months to fucking find them, gets them back home. Can't imagine that dinner table not being a little uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> they now all of a sudden show back up again. Um, there's accounts of the father forcing Albert and his other siblings to have sex with each other at like five and six years old. It's I mean, fucking weird, dude. What the fuck is the deal with that? That's I like don't even understand what you would ever. do that for unless he was getting off well, on watching them why fuck each he, other. That's why he did it because he's fucked in the head. That's fucked up, man. Now, this is like Henry Lee's mom. He would bring prostitutes home right. and force the family to gather around and watch him right, yeah. with the prostitute. Why, I mean,. That's just fucking ridiculous. Fucking nasty. Now, Chris, we have covered some crazy sexual shit with these serial killers and how they were raised. But this one is just beyond anything I can even think of. Encouraging the kids to fuck each other. I mean, what the fuck, dude? That's uh, unheard of. Like, until I... read about this and watched some documentaries i'm like wait what the fuck did you just say right i like mean your dad yeah but no this is uh not a very good way to be raised at all you're definitely no. not getting the the nurture you need right fucking nothing yeah dude. dad's arrested 18 times so you got to figure he's in and out of jail you know it's like the trailer park boys you know right. once a year <laughs> going to jail, jail. so you know that type of thing um so i don't know it's just such a terrible story now, Albert would describe his mother as, quote, not a loving woman, unquote, and that she was, quote, out of the house most nights. Um, probably which, hooking. Probably. And that she was, quote, unable to stop the nightly beatings from his father, end quote. So definitely, uh, you know, some harsh uh, shit there. The author of uh, the book... Um, you know, uh, Frank Gerald wrote that Albert was her favorite son and that he would visit her often as he was an adult. But I didn't find anything else that corroborated that. So I'm not sure. Um, but the author of um, one of the books about him said that. So that's what he's claiming. The thing with the fucking DeSalvo case, too, though, like the whole Boston Strangler thing is because it happened so long ago and because it was so sensationalized. Right. There's a super massive game of chinese phone book or telephone going on oh yeah for real so much stuff has been said and you know this that and people that's true said so it is hard to tell like what the exact uh you know theories are or whatever that are closest to the truth but right and we also know DeSalvo is known to have been a liar exactly so for sure. make yeah. shit up 
braggadocious type of guy. So now Albert felt isolated. Uh, we've talked about that before with serial killers. Um, Nobody fucking yeah, can feel can't what fit in anywhere. Yeah. Kind of isolated. Might as well chew on some eyeballs. That's right. right, That's right. Oh. What the hell? A um, little salty. Um, he said that he never allowed himself to get close to anyone, and he liked to hang out and sleep in the junkyard right. to get away from everybody. And this dog he's talking about, Queenie, used to bite the other kids. <laughs> But he would sleep next to her, and he That's never had a problem. Sweet, that was I his mean, homie. Right, hell yeah. I'm What's thinking of that, that movie, what's the one with the kids with the baseball? Chopper's sick balls. The, oh, oh, no, Sandlot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's Sandlot. what I've been envisioning is <laughs> yeah. like he's sleeping with a dog like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's got that everybody's afraid ass. of. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's like, you know, all cool with the mean-ass junkyard dog. That's so fucking that's badass. Pretty fucking it's, wicked. That's living the life. You're out in the junkyard. Ain't, ain't none of the other kids fucking with you, bro. That's Fuck. true. It's my bodyguard. Queenie's here son. to fucking... <laughs> now, Joey, that's pretty bad, though, when a mean junkyard dog is providing some comfort. I mean, this is a story of a kid raised in such a horrible fucking upbringing. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, it comes to mind the, the you know the joke tying a pork chop around your neck to get the dog to play with you, <laughs> right? Because that's like that's who he went to for his friend was a junkyard yeah. dog. And I mean, so the dog's like mean to everyone else except him. He's gotta fucking love that because that's the yeah. only fucking creature in the world that ever right. showed him any kind of fucking favoritism over and didn't try else. to fuck him, right? And yeah. right, and didn't try to fuck him. I'm sure he probably fucked the dog you know <laughs> he might have but, uh, but you know what else that i mean is a positive thing considering the fact that this alvo if he was a serial killer or whatnot is that he didn't kill the dog you right know? no he cared for right. it right he kicked it with the dog so that's uh, yeah. at least one positive yeah thing one positive little <laughs> sliver of something DeSalvo would later say that he was having steady sex at age eight with girls and women and he, he prostituted himself to homosexuals. Goddamn boy, Watch, getting we get it. this boy, <laughs> luckiest boy in the world in the middle. <laughs> what are we trying to do? Uh, he would go on to say that it was women that he wanted to be with the most. He's but like, he, Will Chamberlain, my ass. <laughs> he, That's terrible. He didn't care what they looked like or how old they were. He didn't give a fuck. He wasn't picky, and like, by the way, he carried out his crimes uh, often on older women. So yeah. he didn't give a shit. He didn't care. Um, he also would say that he tortured animals when he was younger. And so there's another one of those things That's we hear I'm a saying, lot the about. The junkyard dog must have meant a lot to him. Right? Yeah, he ain't yeah, trying wasn't to kill torturing it. that. If that dog didn't, you know, if it was like nice to the other kids, he would have killed the shit he, out of it. You know, right. he would have murdered totally. that fucking dog. Totally. If he was the only one that fucking didn't lie, <laughs> he yeah. would have been the original son <laughs> of Sam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, remember that he's a known bullshitter, so you know it's hard right, to say right. what the fuck to believe with this guy. He starts stealing, uh, winds up getting a burglary charge, and sent to the Lyman School for Boys, which is a reformatory in Boston. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that's where Babe Ruth was. No, he was in Baltimore. But the name of the school was very similar to where Babe Ruth was, which was a similar reformatory for boys. Um, but anyway, he's in Boston, Lyman School for Boys, 93 IQ, which is low average. Uh, DeSalvo would talk about all the things he learned of sexual perversion while he was there and also had to steal without getting caught. So, Chris, learning from the cons. You got to learn from the best, man. You know? Like Cash said, you, lo- you learn how to be a criminal more, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like- 
Um, and, you know, we've heard stuff like that before from Henry Lee Lucas. I know Charles Manson talked about how awful the early reformatories were that he was in. He was raped. I mean, really bad shit. Carl Panzram talks about Panzram. that really big time. And Ed Kemper also uh, just watching a doc on him earlier talking about his time when uh, after he killed his grandparents those five years he was in that mental right. hospital and he learned some awful shit there and learned how to kind of refine and manipulate and he of course he had access to patient files so he knew how to w- talk his way to thinking that he was cured yeah the fact he's very going smart the files like holy shit yeah. yeah and that's why i used that in my uh, short story the eyes have it that he outsmarted the psychologist right, right. by doing the same thing now, Chris, oftentimes these reformatories are like the minor leagues for criminals. Uh, he learned some bad shit there. So. I don't think it's the minor leagues, though. I think it's, man, like right it's, up like there. A, it's like the, you know how the, there's the XFL instead of the NFL? Oh, okay. It's like the right. XBA, Extreme Baseball. <laughs> yeah, associate. I don't know, because these guys know what they're doing already. So once you go right. in there. It's more like a learning camp, like we were saying, dude. Right. Like, that's what it is, right? Yeah, there. yeah, because you're around people that have been doing this shit all their lives. Now, once he gets out of Lyman, DeSalvo goes out and commits a series of burglaries. Right off the bat. Right out of the Instantly. bat. Yeah. yeah. How much it excited him to break into people's houses. He would talk about that. Said he would get an erection just going into a woman's bedroom, whether she was sleeping or not. Uh, he loved to hear them uh, breathing on the other side of the door. So creepy as fuck. Breaking into homes while the women are sleeping. Just like the shit like that you see like in a fucking nightmare. You know, just creepy as shit. Oh, it was a nightmare for people. Yeah. Um, he did okay in, in school by just kind of bullshitting his way along. Uh, he did have a lot of health problems, though, as a kid. I saw some stuff about tonsillitis. Probably because he was getting face-fucked by older men. For <laughs> that's very eight. possible. Yeah, yeah. Right. No wonder why he had fucking tonsillitis. <laughs> uh, fucking, uh, you know, what the hell they call that shit. Um, oh, I can't think of it. Oh, a fucking yeast infection. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Uh, he uh, missed a lot of school, uh, left back a few times, was put in special ed classes starting in fifth grade. Uh, but he starts working as a dishwasher in Cape Cod, uh, but spent his free time on a roof watching women he's through their windows. He's got the fucking lawn chair out, cool yeah. with the beer, binoculars. All about fucking, it. It's like, this is the life. <laughs> yeah, he thought he was the shit, man. Uh, we talk about that with, you know, Richard Ramirez, you know, with the Peeping Tom thing. Yeah. So DeSalvo's starting to show that kind of shit. So Joey, I mean, this guy is checking the fucking boxes when it comes to how to make a serial killer. Yeah. Just add water, and this dude right. is raping and killing motherfuckers. He's so. ready, man. He's ready to go on a rampage. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's setting the table as you possibly could yeah. <laughs> to talk about this guy. Now he's going to try to uh, go away and fucking get his mind occupied on the military. Right. So he does, for a short period of time, kind of get his shit together. 1948, he enlists in the Army at age 17. He's sent to Germany. We just talked about Germany before with some drinking issues. (laughs) So it sounds like a place to go to get your shit all (laughs) fucked up. That's the Uh, best place to get deployed, they say. That's the party country. to. Yeah, I've always heard of guys that say anything out of the U.S., Germany's where you want to go. So... 
so he's over there getting fucked up and uh, he's in the army, but amazingly he does really good as a military policeman and he rises to the rank of sergeant, which isn't easy to do. Um, he even gets into boxing, becomes the army's middleweight <laughs> champ of Europe two times. That's amazing. Uh, and he claimed to have sex with the wives of the officers. So again, with this like, guy, yeah, I was fucking bullshitting. I was over there kicking ass and fucking. <laughs> but we do know that the Salvo was, you know, known to fucking fabricate things. So we don't know. But also, he did talk his way into a lot of women's homes. So he, he did. did do that. It's, it's very possible. Now he gets married to a German girl, Ermgard. That's yeah. about as unattractive a name as I think I've heard. <laughs> Uh, in 1953, I mean, German, it's probably super attractive. Probably, but to me, it's just a weird name. Uh, so Ermgard and him get married. 1953, things don't go real well, though, guys. She's a little prudish, and he's a fucking sex maniac. Yeah, he's five like, to six times a he's day, just man. Jerking off all the time and shit, dude. Oh, damn, everywhere. <laughs> it's like, man, you've been getting fucked since you were eight, and you're just not tired of it yet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You. Wouldn't just the thought of it like make you just go? Can't we just watch yeah. Netflix and chill? Like, like, oh, you're a prude and you don't want to do anything. Thank God. Yeah, right. My shit is chafed like a motherfucker. Also, I have every disease ever right. in, my, in my mouth, mouth and dick and my anus yes. and my anus. So yeah, so she's not having feet. any part of it. So like you said, Chris, he's just jacking off every fucking chance he gets. Come everywhere. <laughs> I mean, not to mention, you got to think, he was probably like had some bullshit on the side, too. He had Prostitutes to Prostitutes or had just to skanks from the a bar. A guy like this just no, can't fucking did. do it, man. He wasn't a faithful motherfucker at no. all. No. Obviously. They moved back to the U.S. He's stationed at Fort Dix, New Jersey. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Uh, he starts doing some fucked up shit. He gets in trouble going up to a woman's house and trying to attack her. She locks herself in a room and calls the military police with his license plate number. And since he didn't really do anything, there wasn't really much they could do other than, like, warn him to stop, like, yeah, you know, it, which is pretty fucked up. I mean, you'd think they could do something if he had her, you know, locked in a fucking room and Except freaking the fuck out. That's pretty shit, scary. Yeah, fuck that. Should be able to but it's solve. a different time. You know, the police looked at the this 50s, stuff differently. Uh, 1953, a woman goes into a grocery store, leaves with her kids. A nine-year-old girl and a two younger brothers are left at home. So, again, another time. Yeah, like, nowadays, she's gone to jail for leaving a nine-year-old and two kids home alone while she goes to the grocery store, but it's 1953. And people did that because it was safe. Yeah, it was safe. Yeah, exactly. Air quotes. Not when you got fucking DeSalvo running around. Right, exactly. This fucking jerking off fucking machine. (laughs) Jerking Uh, off machine. They go, uh, they told her mom that a soldier came by and asked for the rent, which is kind of odd because they They own the house. They own the fucking house, yeah. Uh, So that sounded strange, uh, but he wasn't a uniform. The girl told the police the soldier had touched her chest and her private. So, again, this girl's nine years old. That's fucked. Uh, the police know about DeSalvo from that recent issue. Um, so they were able to figure out, you know, it was him. They charge him with carnal abuse of a child, and he was released on bond. Yeah, I'd be like, wait, you're letting him go out for what? How much did it cost? Yeah, it wasn't that much. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, the charges are dropped when the woman refuses to put her daughter through a trial. And so I get that. So, yeah, Chris, I mean, this dude is ramping it up. 
like we talked about, kind of setting the table for an onslaught of fucking brutality. He's man. definitely pushing his limits. I mean, you walking up to a person's house and just touch them like that. A little girl, for one, let alone a grown woman, but a little girl, for one. Like, the only reason he left, I guess, is because her little brother came running out seeing what was going on. It freaked him out, so he thought other people were there or whatever. Right. But, yeah, he's about ready to fucking blow his shit up, and it's not going to be good for a lot of people. No, it's pretty bad stuff. So while all this is going on, in DeSalvo's other life, I know we talk about with BTK when we had Dr. Ramsland on talking about his theory of cubing cubing, where he was able to kind of show different faces in different parts of his life and act completely normal and DeSalvo does that to some extent Uh, he's got a baby girl now her name is Judy Uh, she's born with a deformity that required her to wear braces on her legs so you know that's got to be a tough you know thing to deal with obviously as a parent but he was supposed to be really good with her he would help massage her legs Um, he would make the braces look better. He would paint them and put bows bows on on them. Bows. Of course, the bow thing is going to be part of the story as we go, so keep that in mind. But we've seen this Jekyll and Hyde thing with these serial killers, you know, BTK, Jesperson. You know, they're good dads, but they're just fucked up, you know, Individuals, yeah. It's just weird. They're fucking good. Now, the birth of Judy, uh, DeSalvo wife resists him even more so as if he wasn't already having problems chris yeah she didn't getting pussy she doesn't want to give it up even more now because she's afraid afraid they're gonna gonna have another another child child with with problems exactly yes so like this is not gonna make him happy at all either so he's just gonna make his sex drive even more out of control and do what he wants to do yeah i mean he would write to her and say that she was frigid and cold to him during that time so he was very bitter about it um, you know, uh, he gets out of the army though in 1956. He's, I'm not sure if it was an honorable discharge. I read one account where they said right in the right article that they weren't sure under what circumstances, whether right. it was because he was just done or whether they kicked him out. Don't know. I'm but not, I never saw anything I negative about it, his military career. I, I, I think I seen somewhere it was honorable. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it because it seemed like he was a really good soldier. Um, they moved back to Chelsea in Massachusetts. They have a son, Michael, and Albert takes a job as a uh, shipyard laborer to support the family. So he's trying to make it work, Joey. Sounds like he's having a lot of issues with relationships with women like his own mother and, of course, from his wife, Ermgard. So Right. And, I mean, you got to think that fucking the – He's with a woman who's not satisfying his needs what he needs. Right. There's nothing good that can come out of that. No, You're not, not going to be happy together, you know, if this dude's a sex maniac shit. Right. This guy basically should have just went and married a fucking prostitute. Right. Been like, she just went and been a pimp. He would so have been pay. better off yeah. doing that. He would have been better off if he was just a pimp and got his yeah. own bitches. And, okay, you go fuck, I'm done with you. And, yeah. I mean, he had a lot of fucking, <laughs> he had a lot of issues himself and fucking had had so many interactions with the law already you know this is a long time ago so things got swept under the rug a lot more which is unfortunate right because his aggressiveness and his fucking um impulsive violence was just rising through all this and unfortunately with a a frigid wife that wasn't giving what he wants he's fucking mad at home he's gonna take that out there with him during his use that anger right yeah 
So he is committing a series of sex offenses that are almost comical. In 1960, around Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is, of course, where Harvard is, uh, he would often claim that he enjoyed outsmarting the college women in that area. He had a thing about women who he thought looked down on him as being uneducated, as dumb, poor, whatever. This is where the measuring man name would come to pass. This is such a crazy Mike thing. <laughs> this should have been crazy Mike out there measuring women because this would have been his thing. He also <laughs> has a that. gift of gab and ability to work his way in with women. So crazy right. Mike could have been the Boston Strangler if he was younger. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> he was going door to door telling young women that he was a talent scout for a modeling agency and that he needed to measure them. And a lot of these women are falling for it. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, you, for sure, especially back then, dude. Yeah. Like, I even mean, now, dude. They find it flattering. Hey, I think you're you know, very beautiful. Maybe you could right. be a model. Let me get but some measurements. Straight, I'm a door-to-door -door model salesman. <laughs> I mean, buyer. Yeah. <laughs> right? I used some... I can't remember which uh, documentary about him it was, but I used a sample in one song. They're like... Ah, I'll give you $10 for a picture and $20 for his shoulders. And you take your clothes off and get all the way up to $50. <laughs> it's just such a good sample. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but that shit was for real. And then yeah, the housewives were like, yeah. fuck, that's some Are good really money. Exactly. So, I mean, it reminded me, though, of Crazy Mike with the with the naked pictures. So. <laughs> DeSalvo would say that he loved tricking the college-educated women and that it would, uh, you know, it was good to let them know that he was just as good as them. So police are getting complaints about him doing this and giving uh, the name The Measuring Man. So that's how he gets his nickname. He gets busted committing a burglary and other petty crimes, winds up getting 18 months in prison. But he gets out in 11 for good behavior. So, Chris, the measuring man thing is just pretty fucking devious because you're tricking these women. Now, you think about it, it's not funny because he's it's out not. there. It's awful. It, the, the fact that somebody thinks that, like, hey, how do I fucking get to just go <laughs> right. rope random women? Right. Like, Measure oh, them. I could be a fucking model scout. The thought right. that somebody thinks of that is fucked up. It man. is fucked up. And, and imagine how many times he did it. He had the shtick down pretty good. Yeah, and the fact that it worked so many times is what's even more fucked up. Right. But I know it's 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 funny, but it's man. not. You know, it's I just mean, so it fucking works. Yeah, yeah, if it it's works, like, it works. Fun <laughs> with the cast, you know. Yeah, what I'm it fucking right. worked, man. <laughs> so he's doing his thing. 1962, though, he tells his wife he's going fishing. I don't <laughs> oh, think he's, I bet going, he's fishing. going fishing. <laughs> He ends up in an apartment complex. He's pretty devious, man. He sees there's construction going on there. So he starts ringing the apartments where he shows just a woman's name yeah, there at the buzzer. Yeah, the and he gets Anna Slessers, this 55-year-old woman. She's waiting on her son to come pick her up. She's getting ready to go out with her son. And she thinks he needs to look at some work because there's all this shit going on at the apartment. You know, scaffolding and all this stuff. So you're I okay. Out, I think it was. I need to come in and look at something. Whatever, okay. Yeah. So she lets him in, and fuck, her body's found in the hallway of her bathroom. Her robe is open, exposing her naked body. Legs are spread. 
Uh, she's strangled with the belt from her robe, which is tied in a knot around her neck. Now, Chris, and the bow, yeah. What were we just talking about that with the bow? Yeah, and uh, the daughter's leg braces. They tied yeah, everything, tied the bows on there. And that's shit. right. So, so that's kind of an interesting thing here with this. You know, that's it, one it of the things the police in. felt tied like in. Tie bows to make the women look pretty. That's right. That's right. Uh, this would be his calling card. Uh, rookie detective Phil Di Natale was on the scene and would lead the investigation to find the strangler. I did see the cops messed with him. He was a rookie, and uh, they were trying to catch this purse snatcher in yeah. Boston. And uh, he was told he was heading the investigation, and it was so they had to dress up like women to get the purse snatcher to steal their purse, right. <laughs> like an undercover thing. And he wound up catching him like the first night, but it was just funny because they were messing with him. So I think they figured, you know, he's never going to be able to figure this out and it'll just be a good way for him to skin his knees a little bit. Uh, but Joey, that's fucked up about the whole tie in the bow thing. And some would say he did that, you know, um, you know, since he did it for the daughter's knee braces, it was an indication, you know, that he actually did the strangler murders. What do you think? Is it I mean pretty coincidental? I mean Yeah, it's a pretty good calling card at the same time. I don't know how reliable it is because it's like any of them could have been tying the bows and Yeah, but it is odd then. though. I've oh, yeah, never heard totally that is. one before. No, totally bows. is. But you know, it's just like back then, especially if they're trying to find anything to connect anything, they're like, Oh well, he did this and then this was done. So right. it, it's just so hard to tell, and that's you know, part of the mystery behind it still to this day. Right. Uh, DNA may have figured out a few things, but like a lot of these like yeah, the coincidental situations. Yeah, I mean to, it's very circumstantial, yeah. but I think it's really an odd thing that I think to me definitely makes me lean the way that I think he did this. Yeah, I I've always like after all this came out, I'm pretty much been under the the guys that that's exactly the culprit right there. Right. If if he didn't do like exactly everything they said, he probably did most of it. I mean, it is yeah. hard to tell, but I've always said DeSalvo is probably the Boston Strangler. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Now, DeSalvo would prove to be what they would refer to as a mixed personality killer. Uh, according to Dr. Peter Vronsky, we've talked with Peter before. We interviewed him. Uh, he's got the book. I mention it all the time, Serial Killers, The Method and Madness of Monsters. He's got a whole section on DeSalvo, very interesting. Um, he was organized in the way that he would wear gloves. He was good at covering up the crimes, did not leave clues behind for the time. Of course, DNA would get him later, but... At that time, yeah. But DNA at that time, I mean, he was covering his tracks really well. There were no witnesses. Nobody heard anybody screaming, nothing like that. But very disorganized in the way the victims were somewhat random and that he wouldn't bring any weapons with him. He was just using whatever he had there. But at the same time, even though it's a little disorganized, those are two exact reasons why you can get away with some of this stuff because you're not leaving any connection to yourself. Right. You're picking a random person, using whatever is on hand, leaving it. Right. And that's it. Yeah. Now, I, I never saw that he had anything, but I would imagine that he probably kept trophies of some sort. I'm too. guessing that, too. That's Especially you say that because I, mean, I wondered that he, yeah, and he was a burglar. A pair anyway. of panties or something yeah. like that. You know, hard to say. Um, he often used, you know, whatever was there, you know, their own stockings he would use to strangle them. Uh, usually they were found knotted together and tied in a bow. So, right. again, it's calling card. 
Now, two weeks later, he would kill again, this time an 85-year-old woman. I mean, Jesus, God. Uh, he tricked her into saying he was at her apartment to do some work, and then, of course, he gets Same from behind thing, yeah. her, he strangles her. Um, now, this victim, I believe this is the one that they thought died of natural causes. At first. Because they yeah. didn't find the body for a while, so there was nothing obvious that she was strangled. You know, it's an 85-year-old woman. They figured it was just natural causes at first, but they they figured it out later. Um, two days later, he kills again. On that um, mission. So not any real cooling <laughs> like he's off like, period. Man. He's like happy about it. Like, oh, yeah. This killing and fucking sex is the best thing in the world to him right now. Yeah, like, it nothing is. nothing better. And he's really cocky about it. Uh, the killer was still defying the police. No clues left behind. That rookie detective is just, you know, he's just doing as much as he can. His son that was interviewed on that Reels uh, special I watched was really good. He talks about how his dad was just, like, obsessed. I mean, he was just really consumed by it, and he was so upset that he couldn't catch him. Right. You know, really bothered him. Because all these women are in this same neighborhood, you right. know, so they all know each other. It's fucked up. Now, there were six more murders in 1962 after the first two. So that's eight in one year. All very much the same. Strangled with nylon stockings and tying the bow around the neck. Uh, some were displayed with their legs open, but there was one victim. He felt sorry for her, so he was nice after he raped and strangled her, he covered her up with bed sheets. So he's a good guy. A little more respectful to her. What a fucking piece of he's shit. He's a good guy. Yeah. One victim was killed and then moved to the bathtub or face down in the water in a kneeling position. Um, in two months, though, he killed six women. Um, and one even used a wine bottle to rape her with. So, I mean, my God. Chris, I mean, the murder of Sophie Clark was the one that really changed it up. Yeah, that's the one that makes you think, was that him? But Right. What was different about her? She's, instead of an older lady, she was 20 years old, and she right. was black and not white. Right. And it was really weird that the whole M.O. of the fucking victim changed. So right. Is it very rare for a sex killer to cross into different racial lines like that. Not unheard of, but not common. Um, I heard, too, that she was attacked while she was writing a letter to her boyfriend. She was a nurse. Just a really sad story. But uh, that one, Chris, changed it up because now they're starting to wonder, is this the, the same, same person? Guy? Yeah, is this more than one person? Because they did think that for a while. But, yeah. Which still could have been. Right. Absolutely. Joey, I mean, that they do think it could be more than one. I mean, the fact that he's doing, you know, the different methods to strangulation, stabbing, right. you know, bludgeoning, beating. Um, I could see where they would think it, it could be more than one. Yeah. And I think if uh, <clears throat> I don't think DeSalvo is working with anybody through any of this. From I don't think accounts. so either. From any accounts I saw, he seemed to be more of a loner and would do his shit on his own. But um, right. I'm not ruling out the fact that maybe back then there was a possibility. Like a copycat? Yeah, one or two of them could I have been a copycat I was situation. thinking that too. I like, could oh. see that too. I'd be willing to say one or two, but I think yeah. he did, if not all, a majority yeah, of Obviously, these. there's a ton of fucking, you know, 
uh, stuff written about the Boston Strangler or podcast. There's a ton of stuff you can oh, yeah. see out there. So if you start looking at it, you can see how some of the uh, the crimes, the differences in them, and it does make you think, and how some of them are like super close to being the exact same kind of mo, which would make a lot more sense that they were all his. But right as we know, I mean, every now and then they do change and alter. They you know, do. The it's not they, always the same. It's right. not always the same. Now, 1963, uh, DeSalvo continues with his crimes. He's getting more violent. He beats one woman to death with a piece of a brass pipe, uh, stabbed her in the breast with a fork. I mean, he's getting really fucking brutal. He also, uh, she bites him severely in the finger, which is maybe why he raged the fuck out. I don't know. Uh, May of 1963, he attacks a woman who's partially deaf. And this one is weird because she, like, negotiates with him of what she's willing to let him do to her sexually, right. but she didn't want to have intercourse. But she, he said she reminded him of his wife and how she would refuse sex, so he stabbed like her 22 times. That's because he wanted to do that to his wife. Right. That's so, why he did that. Yeah, it's fucked up. Uh, the media is going crazy with the story. Of course, these victims are all in the same area. The police don't have anything to go on. Detective Di Natale is, you know, doing everything he can. He's a rookie, but man, he's just got nothing to go on. Gotta be fucking frustrating. On that one special, that real special, there's audio of him talking about this, and it's just like, man, he said, I had to talk to a I had to talk to every garbage collector in Boston if they thought they knew something. Right. He goes, I talked I to anybody. To I was trying to so find information. Yeah. Uh, September 1963, he was asked by one victim if he was the Boston Strangler. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Uh, she told him uh, that she was not well to have intercourse. So I'm guessing that translates to she's on the rag or some sort of womanly <laughs> issue. Right. Uh, so he puts a pillow down on the floor and has her perform oral sex on him. Uh, he ties her up, puts her panties in her mouth, and smothered her with a pillow. That's what happens, man. I guess. Uh, he takes two black nylon stockings from her drawer, ties them in a bow around her neck. He spreads her legs and tied another stocking around her ankle, also in a bow. Uh, women are freaking the fuck out for obvious reasons. They're sleeping with fucking baseball bats. I saw ski poles. It was right. one woman. Whatever you want. Stab a motherfucker. <laughs> that's, that's, that. a, that's a brutal way. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, bottles. You know, we heard about that with the uh, um, the uh, garden st or the Golden State Killer yeah. with the bottles by the, the windows and the doors as like an alarm. To not, it gets knocked over and yeah. shit. Yeah. So, um, and I think, uh, who else did we... Who else did we do that, uh, like, offered that advice? I, I can't remember that. Somebody was, was that rolling? I think it might have been. It might have been. He had, like, a whole fucking list of things that you should yeah, do. Yeah, uh, like things they should do. Yeah, something like that. You. Yeah, so, I think it might have been rolling. But Serial uh, killer classes. Yeah, like how to avoid getting becoming a victim right. and being on a podcast. Um, so uh, alarms, you know, they're, you know, they're, putting alarms in their houses dogs are being fucking adopted from the pound like a motherfucker guns the media is going crazy the police are getting major major pressure and chris this dude is absolutely going berserker mode now he is killing a lot of women in a short period of time i mean god damn 
average like one a month. I mean, one a month is isn't that bad, dude. It's not like he's overdosing <laughs> on murder shit. <laughs> Fuck, dude. But yeah, I mean, go he, pay the rent, kill somebody. Right, you know, just they, keep they, it on it's track. It's just another bill, dude. Come on, gotta keep it on cycle. <laughs> I gotta keep caught up. Right, but not by the fifteenth or the twenty eighth. Ah, man, as long as it's during the month, like you could do one on the thirty first and one on the first, okay. and you're good for like. I got you. <laughs> but yeah, not fucking for real. He is going somewhere with this, like out of control style for yeah. real though yeah january 1964 he kills his last victim his youngest 19 year old mary sullivan she's found on her bed with semen dripping from her mouth and a broomstick next to her that had been used to rape her with he also used a stocking and a star a scarf to tie a bow around her neck and placed a card near her foot that said happy new year what the fuck her nephew, Casey Sherman, would later become a true crime author. He was on that real special I watched. Um, and pretty interesting to hear his take. It's a little choked up. Yeah. You know, it's his aunt. I yeah. mean, that's pretty fucked up, especially what he did to her, Joey. Right. That one, awfully fucking brutal, man. That one, unfortunately, like, not to be that guy, but you can find images of that on the internet. Oh, really? Of her corpse with the broomstick. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of crime scene photos, actually, from some of the um, Boston Strangler cases. That oh, you okay. You can find a lot of, you know, black and whites. And, right. But pretty interesting stuff. You, like I said, I, I hate to be that guy, but no, it, I it is part of the story, and it is interesting it that is. they have so much about it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can't imagine these people, these family members, knowing yeah. that. Your family like can forever be Googled like right. that. Like we talk I mean, about that, that is shit too. Awful uh, pertaining to like the murder of Billy or even us doing right. a podcast and keep to to bring it back up. Right. Know? It's I like know. stabbing a knife in somebody's heart, but at the same time, without the without the knowledge and the education, it's it you should let that be, I think. I think so too, because maybe it would make somebody think twice about leaving right. a window open exactly. living on a first floor apartment. You yeah. know what I mean? Just because you're paranoid don't mean they're not after you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, definitely, you know, makes you think. Uh, Detective Di Natale was troubled, of course, with this. It's going unsolved. He has a fucking heart attack. He's pretty young. Yeah. Uh, he keeps going, does not give up. While he's recovering in the hospital, he asks them about Sophie Clark because he remembered she was a nurse at that hospital. So he starts asking nurses questions, and he's getting some really weird reactions. And he winds up finding out that several nurses there claim that they had been raped by this dude that looked like DeSalvo. So now he starts checking out DeSalvo, sees he's got this extensive record, um, definitely some questions. Uh, he goes to his boss, and they fucking blow it off. Yeah. And don't support him at all, but he That's doesn't weak. give up. No support. Yeah, I don't get it, man. He keeps going. He just does not give up. I think uh, it's fucked up that the fact that they're looking so hard to find somebody to fucking on these crimes, and he's got got somebody. And yeah. He's like, hey, whatever. Right. I know. It's just it's crazy. I don't I don't understand it either. So now DeSalvo was done with the Boston Strangler murder. So now he moves into his final phase. So he starts out. As the measuring man, yeah. then he's the Boston Strangler. Now, Joey, he is what? The Green Man. The Green, the green man. man. And why does he, uh, Chris, why do they call him the Green Man? You know what? 
Because he liked to wear green pants and shirts. Yeah, like every a work time uniform. Yeah, yeah. Uniform, yeah. Yeah, to make him look like a maintenance guy, right? right. Shows up to the yeah, apartment. Like, I need to fucking do some painting in your kitchen. The yeah. landlord sent me. I got to do this. Right. Right. And or he was, he was always smart. in green, though. He would right, and he would go to these places where he saw construction going on. So it would seem more believable that he was there to do something. Some kind of maintenance you know? shit. Right. Yeah. Way back in New York, you know, Albert Fish wearing the fucking coveralls. Right. The painting clothes. Right. Yeah. Gray man, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he would wear green. He makes himself look like a maintenance guy. Gets in these apartments. He ties them up. Uh, he did not rape them, though, as the green man, which is strange. He does ejaculate. He apologizes to the victim. <laughs> That's fucked up. But like, he leaves. And I don't sorry. know if he leaves them tied up. Sorry. Come. What? I mean, that's he's just like, fucked up. He's like, man, I know that this is really fucked up, but what I was doing six months ago, yeah, you're way you're, better. You're lucky. yourself fucking yeah, lucky, yeah, huh? Exactly, dude. Yeah, you real. got a fucking, yeah, you win the fucking prize. Uh, you had to watch me jerk off. Uh, this would go on, though, for 11 months, man. Jesus Christ. Joey, this guy reminds me, though, of the Golden State Killer, how he keeps changing it up. You know, the Golden State Killer was the, with the North Area Rapist and went through, all, or East Area Rapist, went through these different phases. He was the Night Stalker for a while. Yeah. yeah. Then, of course, ends up as the Golden State Killer. But this one reminds me of that. Yeah, I agree, and the similarity is definitely there in that aspect. The difference between those two is that Golden State Killer did this over such a fucking long period of time that, of course, oh, yeah. things had had to change or, or morph. Oh, sure. Boston he, Strangler did this shit within, like, two years. A couple years. years. Yeah, yeah, two like, years. Jesus and he just Christ. changed it up, yeah. like, go, go, go. Yeah, it was it was crazy, but you're right. The, the uh, Golden State was much longer period of time. Yeah, it was like he took and Golden State And he was a State cop, so he had that angle going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, November 1963, DeSalvo was identified by one of the victims when she saw his mugshot. Uh, he's arrested. He's held at the Bridgewater Mental Hospital. The police had no idea, though, that they had the Boston Strangler, which is crazy. Uh, but by the spring of 65, he would begin making his confession of the Strangler murders while he's in the hospital. He has this photographic memory yeah, of these crime scenes. I've seen that. And, like, they did tests on him about that photo. Yeah. Memory and shit. Like, they uh, did. What was the one that I was listening to? They fucking did kind of, some kind of thing where they sat all these people in a room one day, and then they asked him the next day when right. they were all different, where they were kind of pretty much said the exact same shit. Yeah, he did. Exactly. I think even what they were wearing, too. Right. Pretty amazing. Um, so he tells them that there was a tampon under the chair during the Sophie Clark murder because he said he pulled it out of her and threw it under the chair. That's he fucking also, gross. It is fucking gross. He should have chewed on it. He should have. That would have been better. He threw that wasted that and threw it on the floor, bro. <laughs> he also recalled what type of cigarettes were found at one of the crime scenes. Um, somehow. The pack that fucking fell behind the counter. The, he said where they were. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somehow he manages to escape the hospital with two other inmates, <laughs> but then turns himself back in yeah. three days later. Uh, they send his ass to the maximum security joint. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, you broke out once. You, right. That's where you're not Come going on, motherfucker. Back to, yeah. <laughs> We're not sending you back to that hospital. Uh, you're going to prison. Uh, 1967, he makes a deal with the police to plead guilty to the green man rapes and he gets a life sentence. He's accepting of that, 
as long as they don't charge him with any of the Boston Strangler murders because he didn't want to be executed. Right. Uh, That's so, fucking crazy, though. But they I didn't have any like major real physical evidence, right? Did they? I don't really know. Like back then, I don't think he had no fucking but, fingerprints. There wasn't DNA at that time. Right, right. They had a couple witnesses to go off of, but I don't know how strong those cases yeah, were. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they may not have been able to do it, but if he confessed, right. you know, then of but, course. But they would you know, have one that. thing that was a fact he that after he was in jail, it all stopped. Exactly. Right. That is a, exactly. That, that is a big one. one. That yeah. was one of the things I was going to mention too. Like after he got busted, yeah. it never happened like that again. Right. Unless it was a person that was smart enough to not do it anymore. But if they're I'm going to do something totally different. Yeah. But if they're like that, can they just stop? Right. Unless the dude like moved to San Francisco or something right. and became the Zodiac. I don't know. Right. So. Um, but many in the Boston Police Department and the local media um, were doubtful that it was DeSalvo because, again, he's never charged with these 13 murders. Right. Like, it's technically still an unsolved murder. They're, That's correct. Right? Yeah. yeah. So they didn't believe he was the killer. Not all of them. Uh, some of right, them didn't. Right. And they gave the De- Natale a hard time, that detective. Uh, plus, some of the details were off about the crime scenes. However, with 13 of them, I mean, you know, I yeah, I know damn well I couldn't fucking remember shit like he could. Yeah, so fucking right. I don't know. But again, the guy's a bullshitter. You don't know right. what his angle was. I also read that he was trying to sell his story because back then you could. Yeah, yeah. And that was another thing about him. Uh, Detective Dean Natale was accused to have you know, just blamed it on DeSalvo just to solve it. Just to it. close the case. But yeah. like you said, Joey, the crime stopped. Yeah. Um, and he gets F. Lee Bailey. Maybe Fuck it was yeah. uh, of OJ fame. De- maybe it was the detective that uh, was doing the murders. It's very possible. Like, like a Dexter. I got a scapegoat. <laughs> right. Uh, F. Lee Bailey, of course, is his lawyer. We all know him from the OJ Simpson case and other right. famous cases. Uh, Bailey does not allow Di Natale to talk to DeSalvo. And so this had to be incredibly frustrating. But, Chris, I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you think DeSalvo did the 13 murders? Um, I, mean, I, I know, know we're about, just guessing. No, no. I, I would say that he probably did. I, I, I think, like Cashman said earlier, I think he's, except for the the uh, the 20-year-old girl, other than that one, I think that was just somebody else. Like, can I make it? look like that enough to where it looks like him and I can get away with it. So like, uh, I think he did most of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of agree. Joey, what about yeah, you? Pretty, yeah. I'm pretty much in that circuit, you know? Yeah. yeah I, he might've done all of them. He yeah, might've done the all of them. I'm not saying know. he did. Yeah, I'm leaning toward he did but, all of them, but I wouldn't be shocked if a couple of them maybe were right. knockoffs. The thing is, is like, and I've said this with Gacy too, before when we talked and other ones, but, um, he gave, he gave details in statements that only you can know if you, if you were one of the detectives, right. like a lot. Right. And I get it. Like there's like fucking, you know, uh, a track that the law has to go through and everything else in the fucking detectives. But I mean, when people say shit like that, I just don't forget it. 
Right. It's like, um, you just gave some fucking straight up knowledge on this fucking crime. But I did see something somewhere or read something somewhere where somebody called into question the fact that he was being led. Which. Now, see, if that was one of those, like, yeah. wasn't that Paul Mall cigarettes you found right. under the dresser? And it was the wrong, back you know, then because you're not whatever. seeing fucking video of the interrogation or anything. Yeah, right. yeah there is no video of that interrogation. So we don't know. No, That's the thing. Not. There's a lot of unknowns with this. Now, November 1973, this is very strange. DeSalvo had told the prison psychiatrist that he really needed to see him. So Dr. Roby, he was interviewed on that special too, said he really needed to see him urgently. So the doctor sets up an appointment for the following morning. But before he could even see him, DeSalvo is fucking shanked. In his fucking cell, in the heart, fucking DOA, Chris. So. Yeah, killed like they got pissed. They nobody in there liked him. He's like, you killed all these old ladies, and right, you don't give a fuck. You'd do it. You'd still be doing it if you was out there. Fuck right. You. Uh, the murder is never solved, and you know, no wonder. You know, makes you wonder what was the urgent thing he needed to see that doctor about. I also watched a documentary that mentioned DeSalvo's involvement with the sale of amphetamines in the prison. I did see that. So yeah. about, he's selling it cheaper than Yeah, so he could have pissed somebody off that, oh, yeah. you know, one of the gangs that's selling drugs yeah, in the prison. It's like, hard to that, say. Could it be a debt? You know, who knows, right? Uh, they say a member of the Winter Hill gang was suspected of the murder but never charged. And I'm sure, you know, like we've been saying, nobody's really too upset that a piece of shit like this gets stabbed to death in his cell. Yeah, not really. You know? So I think, especially back then, they would have been like, gee, tisk tisk, you know, big fucking deal. Uh, DeSalvo would also say he wanted to confess his crimes, uh, to confess to the crimes earlier, but his wife threatened to kill herself and the kids if he did. <laughs> She yeah, winds fucking... up divorcing him, yeah, and they change their name and move away. So that's yeah, like, a good thing. Uh, before the fucking trial and shit, didn't they? Like, I yeah. think the lawyer was just straight up like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right? Now, Joey, DNA would actually solve one of these cases, of course, many years later. But... Yeah, Mary Sullivan, it was almost 40 years after the fact. But yeah. They had a blanket that they had kept uh, in the evidence right. that contained you know, the stains on it that they were able to extract and use. Right. Um, which we know, fuck, I mean. I, they did. I can't remember exactly when they did it, but it was kind of whenever DNA was really new too. Right. Yeah, like in the earlier days right. of yeah. so DNA we the, got now. Now, like they they go back and they fucking find DNA and all kinds of shit, you know. But back then, right. it was so fucking lucky the fact they even had that blanket that right. had that much of a sample. Right. Because they used to have back then they needed way more of a large uh, area. Right. Quantity. They couldn't right. use just a drop or right. whatever. Exactly. Right. So. No, it kind of worked out. I mean, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, that's one family, whoever Mary Sullivan's family that they yeah, really that's the one whose one. Uh, nephew was the true crime author, right. the last victim, yep. um, the nineteen-year-old. So that's that's good that they solved it. They matched his DNA by using his uh, nephew was at a construction site drinking a water bottle, threw it in the garbage. They grabbed it, tested it. Knew it was him, but needed 100% confirmation, so they exhume his body, and they get some of his femur, I think, and they test it, and it's a 100% match. So, Boom. They knew it was him, so he definitely killed Sullivan. Um, it does seem like one person did the crimes, but... 
DeSalvo was a bullshitter. We've seen that with Henry Lee Lucas, Pee Wee Gaskins. They, you know, sometimes admit stuff to make himself seem like more of a badass to the rest of the guys in the prison. Uh, there was a guy who was his cellmate. This is kind of interesting. George Nasser, who was, a, I think, like a mob killer. Yeah, like they a put like man. two fucking murderers yeah, together. Yeah, what the fuck with that? I know. <laughs> uh, some, you know, wondered if he was part of it, uh, but DNA never linked him to any of the murders. So um, it makes you wonder. That would have been fucked up if they were cellmates and they were a tag team in murders. Yeah, so that would have been fucked that up. That would be pretty fucked. Yeah. Like, before the fact. After the fact, you never know. Because, like, fucking, that's where Henry Leonidas met was. Well, no, no. I'm saying if they were a tag team before and then yeah. all they, Ended nobody up in the knew same that they were a tag didn't, team. Didn't yeah. fucking uh, <clears throat> Leonard Likening, they met in jail, too. No, they, they were Marines. The fucking, or they went through they that. They through the fucking force, Fortune 5, not Fortune 5. Yeah, the, the Soldiers, Soldiers of Fortune. Fortune yeah, yeah, the yeah. one ads okay. and the Soldiers of Fortune. Shit, yeah. So, yeah, so he's, you know, hooked up with Nasser, who's a fucking mess. Uh, the psychiatrist at the prison said that he felt he was more of a personality right. that would be the strangler than DeSalvo. But uh, I did see that the police found uh, doctor's uniforms, maintenance uniforms at Nasser's residence. <laughs> Maybe he likes to fucking play dress up. You never know. Uh, but as I said, you know, when his DNA was checked, it, you know, not a match. So uh, he so denies his, it. His DNA isn't enough to, you know, to, or it's enough to clear him of being it in that aspect. But every time he's come up from parole, it's like that's a background why they won't let him out. Right. Well, that's what he says, that it's like that's right. bullshit it, that they're not letting me out on parole because of this thing hanging over my head. And even if, like his People fucking think lawyer I'm the said that too, that, you know, he'll probably never see the light of day just because of his, uh, right. you know, connection to that. Yeah. Whether it be true or not. Right. It's that's a good up, point. <laughs> now, Chris, it does seem, you know, like Nasser wasn't the strangler, but you have anything to add to the whole Nasser do you think he had anything? I really was don't think Was he a copycat so. or anything at all? No, I don't think he was a copycat. I think, like you said, DNA proved it. And like Cashman said, DNA proves it. Why can't I be gone, dude? Fuck that. Right. Yeah, so. I mean, if he's legit able to be paroled, that's right. not right. Uh, as a funny side <laughs> note, I thought this was hilarious. 1971. <laughs> The Texas legislature passes a resolution I yeah, I saw this honoring shit, DeSalvo for his work in population <laughs> control. I can't even believe this. Of course, nowadays, nobody dude. has the fucking sense of humor to do something no, like that. No, but this fucking was it's fucking because, awesome. Yeah, because he didn't think Tom Moore, this Waco representative, yeah. Chris, he thought he was yeah, playing he an think, April Fool's joke. He thought, and he didn't. Well, he didn't think people were fucking reading what they were actually voting for right. and all that shit. Yeah, because it's, it's like so, you know, like the health care bill. It's like all those pages. Oh, yeah. it's, like, it's like you're like, not going to read all right. that. Yeah, you know? and all these representatives. You're just signing how, it. And it is just like us voting for it. It's just like that. Like you said, the representative, like everybody's got to vote on this bill before right. we can pass it on or whatever. Right. And they're honoring fucking DeSavo. Right. Fucking. They had no idea because obviously he made his point that they didn't actually read it. Right. Because so. it fucking passed. It passed. And then when he realized, you know, of course, the joke was that, that it was a joke, he, yeah. he withdrew it. So that's pretty funny, man. though. Tom Moore Jr., the Waco representative from 1971 in Texas. I think that's great. 
Uh, there have been a few movies. Uh, the notable one, 1968, called The Boston Strangler with Tony Curtis, Henry Fonda, and George Kennedy. Yeah. I have not seen it, but I did read that it was very fictionalized. Yeah. <laughs> Portrays DeSalvo as like a multi-personality disorder, which he didn't have. So, no, I'm not interested in seeing it. Um, 2008, uh, there's a movie called The Boston Strangler, The Untold Story, and starred, I thought this was funny, David Faustino yeah, as DeSalvo. Um, Bud I haven't seen it, but it would be interesting to see Bud Bundy in that role as DeSalvo, you know? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> uh, the yeah. Rolling Stones song Midnight Rambler was about the murders. Hell, yeah. And the macabre song, of course, the Boston, Boston Strangler, Strangler about him. And I thought this was kind of odd. This artist, this performance artist, very bizarre. He's dead now. Mark Morris Rowe claimed he was DeSalvo's son. Um, pretty interesting dude, very out there, one of those performance artists. I mean, the way he died that, of uh, AIDS like 30 years I ago. I mean, he's a performance artist. He was performing like he was DeSalvo's son to try and get well, somewhere. And DeSalvo was leaving his fucking cum all over the place. You know, he, dude, many, dude, that's, yeah, that's facts, dude. Had. That's facts. That's true, man. That's true. Anything uh, to add to this one, guys? I, I don't think so. I think we did really good on it. All right, good, good. Well, my research for this one was done with a few documentaries on YouTube. The best one I found was in, uh, like I said, Serial Killers, The Method and Madness of Monsters by Peter Vronsky. Such a great book. I mention it a lot, but I'm legitimately, you know, love using this book. Um, it is a must-have if you're interested in serial killers. Uh, there have been books about DeSalvo. There's been quite a few. I've never read any of them. Uh, the Reels, R-E-E-L-Z documentary about DeSalvo was excellent. Um, it gets much more into the detective side of the story, has his son on there, and even some audio of Di Natale talking about the case. It's very interesting. Uh, but it's keep got, like, in his mind, his brother on there too and shit, talking about how his dad came in, grabbed him by the throat, and was like shaking. Oh him yeah, and shit. that was fucked up. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but keep in mind that with the DNA evidence that came out later on, depending on what you watch and when it was done, it may or may not have the whole story. Right. So keep that in mind. Uh, the grandson of Detective Di Natale, that Miles Jewell. Uh, he produced a documentary called Stranglehold in the Shadow of the Boston Strangler. Uh, I have not seen it, but I would be very interested to check that out. Uh, next time, we'll be doing the story of Robert Hansen. Oh, yeah. Guys, this could be a good one. Alaskan yeah. hunter extraordinaire. Little yes. killer, uh, <laughs> killing bakery owner. Fuck yeah. Serial killer, fucking nut job from Alaska. He did not like prostitutes. No. He did not. I mean, he liked to hunt them. Oh, yeah. He no, did. Yeah, he liked them for he that. He did. So uh, we'll be doing that one next week, going back up to Alaska. We haven't been up there since we did the... Uh, What's the Israel uh, Keys? Israel Keys. Yeah, Israel. yeah, so we'll be going back up to the tundra, and it's a very fucked up case. Definitely a good one. Uh, one of those guys that appeared pretty normal on the outside, but not but under, so much on the inside. Not so much at all. Yeah, very sick and twisted. So that'll be next week. So you definitely are not going to want to miss that. No, man. So I think we've done our share of murdering tonight, guys. I hear that music. CK's throwing fucking hammers. Get ready to throw down. So, Joey, what do we got to do? Horns up. Let's get our metal on.
Known the world over as the master of metal, the crusher of posers, and murder metal mayhem's knower of all things metal, hailing from Wild Man Street in Danbury, Connecticut, standing at six feet of brutal punishing madness, weighing in at 220 pounds of poser pulverization. The one, the only, toughest bastard on the planet, Chris C.K. Comics! Got the sick fucking Fuck. great metal motherfucker on with us. What's up, CK? What's going on, Hoss? What's up? Fucking What's not on? much. What you doing, man? How's it going over there on Wildman Street? Time. Um, it's November and it was like seventy-five degrees here. Yeah, dude, yeah, it was like, like that here too. It's like so for weird, real, it man. fucking just happened like earlier today. Like we were hang, me and Cash were outside before we headed over to the studio. Like outside. It was a little, it was windy and shit starting to go somewhere, but now you walk outside, it's like a 20, 30 degree temperature yeah. difference. Yeah, dude. it's supposed to be like in the 50s tomorrow, so like a 20 degree drop from today. So, yeah. yeah we got we got like a couple more days of warmer weather, and then it's going to drop. Then you'll get it, yep, from us. Yeah. So, uh, good to have you on. I heard you've been throwing hammers at people from the house, and you threw one at a <laughs> cop. I mean, Jesus, calm down over there, CK. Wild Man Street. Apparently. Wild man. Apparently. And, uh, of course, we have you on in the metal segment to teach us and our listeners about some metal that maybe people aren't aware of. I think you picked a good, little more obscure band this week, which is always cool. Some war metal. That's right. Ooh, so, what do you war. got, CK? Got, um... A band out of originally out of Colorado, um, Jack Panzer. Very cool. And I know who they are. I just don't know anything about them. They've been around you no know, since eighty one, and they've say, been I know on they've and been off around a while. They've been on and off for a while. Um, like I said, they formed in Colorado Springs, Colorado in eighty one. They're originally named Tyrant, but if you remember, I I did a band called Tyrant. For a long, for a lost class, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. And they had to change the name because that band was already tired. Okay, so Jack Panzer had to change their name, obviously, from Tired. Right. Yeah. All right. Tired. So I, I, so what they did was they saw uh, a poster of a German tank named Jagged Panzer. Oh wow! So, so they they just abbreviated a little. Instead of it was J A G D. P-A-N-Z-R, so they just... Dropped the D? Dropped the D and did Jag Panzer, which is a cool name if you think about it. That was I, That's awesome that you told me. because that Very was gonna unique. Be, that's that was going to be a question I had, is uh, what the fuck does that name even come from? Right. Like, that was seriously going to be a yeah. question I had. So it was a German war tank. Right on. From World War II. Um, they recorded a couple demos... Uh, recorded an EP in 83. And the big names in the band were the vocals, obviously, is Harry the Tyrant Conklin, great vocalist, um, John Tetley, Mark Briotti. And they have, um, on and off, they had this, this whiz kid as a guitarist, Joey Tafola. Hey, Joey um, Tafola. 
That sounds that sounds like that sounds like something like that. <laughs> right. But um, they released their um, first album, Ample Destruction, in '84, and pretty much after that, they um, released they they recorded an album that wasn't released after that, and then they were pretty much broken up. Um, Joey Tafalo signed with Shrapnel Records. He um, was supposedly the next um, Yngwie Malmsteen. He had two solo albums out. They, they did fairly well. Nothing, you know, extraordinary. Obviously, he didn't become the next Yngwie Malmsteen. Didn't go nowhere um, huge. I mean, they were great albums and, and for what they were. Right. Uh Harry Conklin formed a band called Titan Force in those years, which was similar to um, Jack Panther. Put two albums out. Great albums. I was actually listening to one of them today. Um, 94, they reformed, but in a different... Um, with, with a couple of different members. They, they got a different lead singer, which was some dude I never heard of. Um... Daniel Conka. How'd he do? He only lasted one album. All right. That, all right. Uh, they, they, got, they basically, they, Mike Briotti and, and um, John Telly put the band back together with, with a couple unknown new people. And they put out an album called Dissident Alliance on, on a small label, but didn't go anywhere. It was, it was an all right album. It wasn't anything special. They just um, wanted to play good. music, though, pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah, and it was it was no ample destruction. Soon after that, um, Harry Conklin, the tyrant, came back. Joey Tofola came back, and that's when they started to really get into into their groove and started to release like some really killer albums. Ninety seven, they released the Fourth Judgment on Century Media. Um, great album. It was re-released again in 2007 with a couple of um, bonus tracks. Still on Century Media. Still on Century Media. Um, a year later, they released um, The Age of Mastery, another great album. Um, at that time, Joey Tofola left, and they got a, a guitarist called Chris Broderick. Now, does anybody know who Chris Broderick is? That name sounds really familiar. No. He left. He left Jack Panzer to, to go to another another band. What was it? Megadeth. Oh shit. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, uh, no shit. Yeah, he left. Um, I think he was only on that one album. Um, or he might have been on. No, he was on two two albums. He was on the album after that. Um, Thing to the Throne, which was a a concept album that revolved around Macbeth. Um, another great album. And all these albums are kind of like in a quote power metal um, slash traditional metal genre. And I got to say, during this time too, Harry Conklin was also in another band called Satan's Host right. on and off. I think which I've heard is, them before, I think, too. They're, they're considered a black metal band, but only in lyric lyric themes only the sound isn't black metal it's kind of like a, a merciful fate type thing right where, where the theme is around satan and all that but but the but but the 
music isn't really a it's black, not black metal. metal, right? Right. And he's been with them on and off. Um, he's back with them on the last couple albums. And um, if you ever get a chance to check those albums out, they're really good albums too. Um, and in ninety in um, two thousand one, they released my favorite album by Mechanized Warfare. And that kind of threw in, um, actually, that, that, I think that's the album where Joey Tofola came back. No, no, I'm sorry, Chris Broderick was still in the band at that time. Uh, they actually threw in a little bit of progressive metal at that, on, on that album. And it's probably my favorite album by them. And, um, you know, and they kept on just cranking out the albums one after the other. Um, Chain of Command was after that. Um... That's when that's when Broderick left, and they got a guitarist named Christian Lusique as his replacement. Um, wasn't as good as as Mechanized Warfare, in my opinion, but they did do a, a killer version of Inagata de Vida by Iron Butterfly. Right. Oh, cool! You do yeah. know you're not allowed to have your own opinion these days, right? Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't give a fuck. I, I, I give my opinion regardless. Fucking right. Fuck that shit. Or you'll throw a fucking hammer at him. Fucking right. Hammers. <laughs> Dave. Sponsored by Ace Hardware. <laughs> don't sue us. And, <laughs> yeah, right. And, um, no, 2004, they released on um, Casting Stones. And then they took a hiatus from 2004 to 2011. Um, and that's where Conklin got got more involved with um, um, Satan's Host at that time. He was doing more of the Satan Host stuff that, that had from like 2004 to 2011. And it came back with um, a killer album, um, The Scourge of Light, which to me is, is one of my, it was, is, if, next to Mechanized Warfare, is probably my second favorite album by them. And again, they took a little hiatus, and Conklin went back to Satan's Host until 2017, where they released the Deviant Chord, which brought back Joey Tafala. Um, and that's got a little bit of more of, of, of a progressive edge to it, like uh, Mechanized Warfare. Right. Killer album. And um, right now, that is the last album that they recorded. I don't know what they're doing at this time. Um, as far as I know, they're still a band. Um, I know Conklin has done um, the Three Tremors album with um, with Ripper Owens and um, the singer from Cage. God, I can't. Sean something. Can't remember his name. He also did the singing for um, the. Um, then her um, Sherman band. Oh, okay. But I can't remember. Sean. <coughs> Let me see if I can find it real quick. But they recorded an album called Three Tremors, which the original Three Tremors were was supposed to be... Um, good movies? No. <laughs> it was, was supposed to be Bruce Dickinson, um, Rob Halford, and... Um, Jeff Tate, but they never were able to get anything recorded together. So they, these guys took the um, idea 
and actually did it. Um, Sean Peck was his name. So, um, yeah, he did, um, two years ago, he did the three tremors with Sean Peck, um, Ripper Owens, and um, himself. Which, if you get a chance, check it out. It's, it's a really cool album. Um, I'm not a big fan of Sean Peck, but um, it's pretty cool on that album. Um, like I said, as far as right now, as far as I know, Jag Panzer is still a band. Um, hopefully they'll come out with something new in the future. Hell yeah, dude. I was actually listening to some of them at work today just to check them out because I never really listened to them. I knew heard of them never really knew anything they're pretty decent i mean not necessarily my fucking thing but I, i'm not gonna say they're a bad band but i dig it they're kind of, they're kind of like a, a they could be a they're like a thrash type power metal right basic basic um classic metal band with a little bit of um progressive elements thrown in oh yeah i was digging it and that's um that's but, cool um, yeah that that that's it on Jag Panther. What you got That's on awesome, that Lost man. Classic, bro? Yeah, what you got for us, Ben? This is now <clears throat> an album that I, everybody, I, I assume, knows. Um, if you don't, you should. Heaven and Hell, and if nobody knows who Heaven and Hell is, it was basically Black Sabbath with DL. The, the Mob Rules lineup. And they did that because they didn't want it. They were getting along with Ozzy and playing shows with Ozzy on Sabbath. So what they did it. Not to piss Ozzy off, they changed that formation of the band to Heaven and Hell. Um, and he put out an album called Devil You Know, like in um, 2008, 2007. And it didn't get that much. It's a great album, and it's as good as the, as the Sabbath albums. But it didn't get that much. Yeah, it didn't get the know, love, man. No, and I don't know why. And I was listening to it the other day. It's still a great album. Yeah, I got to listen to um, that again. It's been a while. It, it's heavy as it's heavy as fuck. Yeah. Um, but um, it's still available. They have a live out. They have two live live albums out under Heaven and Hell. Check those out. Wow. Um, definitely a killer album. Fucking a right, man. Fuck yeah, dude. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, thank uh, we got the good metal knowledge going. I'd like to go around the horn. And see uh, what everybody's fucking been listening to. So, Joey, we're going to get to jam some fucking onslaught. Fuck yeah, little 6 6 fucking 6. Throw in the tape deck. All right, here we go. All right, jamming some 6 6 fucking 6. Fucking onslaught. Onslaught's the shit. And. That means we got to talk about what we've been listening to lately. Chris Shawback, what about you, dude? Uh, that new fucking goddamn Evil Dead, dude. Yeah, man. Me and Cashman have been jamming that. Yeah. Dude. It's fucking nasty I, I, shit. I, I didn't even know that came out until I saw Cashman post that. Yeah, yeah it's dude. It's so good. It's like, in my opinion, one of the best return thrash albums of all time. Dude, it's really fucking good. And I, I never really listened to him ever. And then we was jamming uh, uh, the 
first album yeah, from 89. From 89 the album from the 89. first the first two albums are great yeah, yeah dude, i jammed that i was like this is so fucking sick bro so yeah and i was jamming that and evil some, uh, dead man Damn. the other day i was jamming some toxic holocaust and shit so i've been doing some thrash shit lately so that's like, cool that's cool i yeah. love thrash joey what about you dude uh I've been jamming a lot of Lord Gore. I was listening to the Resecond album, which I probably said last week, but then I also put in the Autophagus Orgy after that, which is the first one. Um, and then today, <clears throat> me and Chris were headed over here to Hornside Studios, and fucking Storm was rolling in. Yeah, it was. Pretty yeah. heavy one for a minute. Yeah. Uh, so we fucking left a little early and went out and fucking hung out in the Storm, and I played Opeth Morning Rise. And cool. And s- smoked some weed. And <laughs> yeah, okay. Up. It's all good. Who's out there? It's legal. Fucking- <laughs> I've been uh, I've been jamming that new Fate's Warning. Holy shit! Long day, good night. I love it, CK. I know you talked about it in your your live, but uh, what yeah. have you been listening to? I know that's something that's probably been in there a lot. <laughs> you know I've Dude. been listening to that fucking thing. Dude, longest shadow of the day is absolutely ridiculous, man. Holy shit! Fucking seventy was it seventy minutes of that yeah, of that album? That's insane. From front from beginning to end awesome yeah i agree um and from what i've been reading it may be the last album um yeah where did you see so that i saw a thing with ray mention oh wow that he seems like jim put everything he had into this album because he thinks this is the last fate's warning album he thinks he doesn't want to He's done with Fate's Warning. Wow! And he wants to move on to other things. Wow, interesting. Then he got the then he then he got decrypted la, the the last song, which is called the last song. Right. Um, but I've also been listening to a, a band called Paul Bear, their new album. Okay, I've heard of that. Uh, if you like fucking heavy, doomy shit. That's why Holy I don't crap. remember. Well, a band named Paul Bearer would have to be kind of doomy and gloomy, that's for sure. Yeah. That's cool. I, um, check them out. Their, their album came out a couple weeks ago. Okay. Any other new uh, stuff coming out, CK? Not really. You got the new Sodom in a couple weeks. Right. The new Within Ruins. Um, Hatebreed. Um, just had... Um, new black lord cd come out which is pretty good um that's about it right now okay i'll tell you some ho ass shit that's still going on is that ck doesn't have my split and no yeah, way really yeah, oh my long. god i know that certain things get lost because right he's already got the carnographer i sent him with no, the mask and shit. people that i sent orders to out uh, way after fucking have gotten theirs already but anyway right. i know how it is what's gonna happen is i'm gonna go home and i'm gonna fucking track the package and it's gonna hit like every city in the u.s <laughs> and yeah. circled around it went on the campaign trail went yeah. on the campaign trail so anyway i know how that shit goes i'm sure it'll yeah. get there but it's just like that That's right there's my nemesis that's annoying man CK, yeah. that's annoying there's always one <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and it happened to be mine yeah, for sure. <laughs> have you uh listened to that carnographer yet that's killer i, I actually listened to it online oh yeah I got the I, CD. I, dude it's fucking nasty as fuck it is fucking nasty man those guys are Good badass shit. definitely badass does the mask fit you ck yeah, it does, actually. Awesome. Yeah, I was looking at their merch, and I'm like, looking at this mask. I'm like, man, CK could always use a new mask. You know? Right. I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking about wearing it to my doctor's appointment tomorrow. Nice. I mean, I wear mine to work. Shit. Well, why not? Why not? <laughs> Hearing that train in the background yeah. there. 
All right, CK. Well, there we go. It's uh, front and center now. So, all right, guys. Well, I think we've done uh, plenty of metal tonight. So, CK, what the fuck do we need to do? Oh, we got to get our mayhem on. Hello ladies, with the holiday season almost upon us, don't let the hustle and bustle of shopping catch your cooter smelling like someone left a trout in the silverware drawer. We got a special here at Dr. Gein Vagina Maintenance that is sure to please that special someone in your life. We have a tub of our special holiday pumpkin spice vagina butter, plus a stick of our new clitoris cream that is sure to make your hoo-ha smell like a freshly baked pumpkin pie with a dollop of whipped cream. What's better at the holidays? Well, how about our latest creation here at Dr. Gein's Vagina Maintenance? Our eggnog douche. Sure to keep your pussy smelling like an invitation for love rather than a nightmare on Elm Street. Give us a call today at 1-800-STINKY-PUSSY and get some Dr. Gein's Vagina Maintenance in your life right now, bitch. Oh my god, I love those fucking Doctor G vagina maidens, <laughs> eggnog douche. What in the fuck? Well, that's that's definitely a creation. Jesus yeah. fuck! Wow. Yeah, uh, I challenge another podcast to pull off some shit like that. For that's Christ's fucking sake. hilarious. God man. Almighty. Well, here we are in fucking mayhem, guys. We like that. We like being in mayhem because a lot of crazy shit goes on in mayhem. A lot of our listeners find this the most fun goofy silly part of the show and right. of course that was dr Gein vagina maintenance number three joey yeah, yeah. uh you've done three of those they're great and then before that jag panzer with the song the deviant chords so uh, uh good stuff now uh we talked right before on the break here about it did anybody have any mayhem stories and i actually have a, a story that I wanted to tell um, about somebody I know uh, through my through a job. Yeah. Okay, I'm not saying a current job, right, just right. a job. And this particular individual um, is very difficult to deal with. Like he's um, like ridiculously on time. Like if you're not like 20 minutes early, you're late. Kind you of get a guy. The fuck out of here like really bullshit. obnoxious, right? So he's really obnoxious. He gets up at like 2.30 in the morning. So he's like, he's setting shit up at school. What time at is like he going four. to bed? I fell asleep at like 12.30, 1 o'clock. Dude, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. He's probably an apostolic Christian. He probably is. No, he's not. I don't believe he is. So anyway, this guy has just done a series of just stupid things, you know, like um, you know, like where he, uh, he like gets... Um, I don't know about violent, but just like acts out, you know. And uh, he was uh, doing something with a, uh, was trying to get up to a, uh, in a building in downtown Decatur, going up to the top floor to get up to the roof access on this apartment building. And it's this big, you know, trap door to get up there and it's all locked and everything. And so he's like all frantic trying to find something to break the lock. 
And I told them to just chill the fuck out. You know, we get a ladder and get up there and just use some bolt cutters and cut the fucking lock off. Fucking universal key. Right. Because I told them, you know, we have to be able to make sure that's securable when we leave or people are going to break. We're in fucking Decatur, right? People are going to break in here through this fucking roof. No, No, that never happens in Decatur. It's a fucking shithole, CK. So. (laughs) Sorry to anybody listening from Decatur. Right. Yeah. Sorry. But God almighty. So anyway, so he's got this eight-foot piece of angle iron that he finds, and he's swinging it. He's a pretty big dude, okay? He's, like, swinging this thing over his head like fucking Thor, trying to break this fucking lock that's up high. And I keep and it's telling like a him straight-up padlock, right? Yeah. You ain't going to break it with a piece of fucking angle iron, bro. So, what the fuck? I know it's eight-foot, though. It's a fucking piece of angle iron. You got I know, but he's a fucking idiot. So he's swinging this fucking angle iron at this lock, and I'm like, dude, like, really? And he fucking keeps doing it, and it lets out of his hand, and it flies across the roof and almost hit me. <laughs> Holy fuck. And I had to go fucking ballistic on his ass, you know? Like, listen, motherfucker, dude, I told so you So then, no. same guy on a different job, they're doing a job where they're taking a ceiling down, and there's a female on the job who was just short to right. reach. So her husband at the time made her, he was on the job too, he made her a little two-step like yeah, stool. step up and grab shit. Just yeah, something no simple yeah, to right do, on. you know, a little handmade deal was great. It worked fucking right. So anyway, this dude, this fucking dude that was with the swing and the fucking right. angle iron, he's on this job. He gets all fucking mad about something broke. So he takes it and he smashes her fucking Wait, he smashes this old girl's fucking shit. What a piece of shit, dude. She was so fucking mad. She's like, I didn't even know what to say. He was just smashing it. What the fuck? So yeah, this dude's fucked, okay? And he's (laughs) done all kinds of stupid shit like this. But one of the funniest things that he did was we were doing a job at this. This is the last part of this at a factory and there was a woman that worked at the factory that was very attractive and she had her right. office out in the factory so we were going to be working Man, he wasn't above deviant right no but he you know thought she was pretty i mean everybody did she was right. an attractive young woman he's we're doing a job above the ceiling above her office oh my fuck he fell through the ceiling and landed on her desk. Get the fuck and out like, of here. Completely like smashed it. Like it was a V. Like everything on it was fucking destroyed. Oh my God, dude. Thankfully, she wasn't in there. Right, okay. But, but she came back into her office and he was just, laying on the desk. Like, what like the groaning. They had to call the hospital and shit. Yeah. That's fucking so, awesome, yeah. bro. So he did something dumb today, not worthy of a mayhem story. Right, right. But it prompted me to Turn think of these reflect yeah. back. Like these stories like, yeah. let me check this out. Some dude. stupid <laughs> shit, hilarious. though. Yeah, this guy's a fucking trip. Oh, one more. Ceiling. He was supposed to um, go in this apartment. This university gave him keys to get into this right, apartment right. that they owned, and he's trying the keys and they don't open the door and he's getting mad he's like pulling on the door <laughs> sounds like he's got he decides issues. to kick the door in <laughs> <laughs> and it was the wrong apartment so oh dude was God. in there sleeping <laughs> he like winked the fuck dude, out dude, oh, he's serious. i am serious <laughs> He's lucky oh he didn't get shot. God. I know, dude. This is a long time ago. 
Like I said, oh it's all God, good. Dude, it's all good. Shit, it's just funny stuff. Up, that's, man. Hilarious. that's hilarious. So there you go. There's my contribution <laughs> no, to Mayhem that's, tonight. That's good, so. dude. Right. in the wrong fucking apartment. Dude. We'll, <laughs> it will get you shot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, killer cage match tonight, guys. Got a few listeners to thank Chris. Who do we got? Yeah, yeah. we got Steve-O Morningstar, Mason Robertson, and Kathy Spaulding. Once again, thank you all for the numbers. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spreading the word. But that's right. Yeah. yeah, we love getting the response from the listeners. I think that's the favorite part of this killer cage match is they get to participate. And, Joey, we got a good one. We pair up these killers and, and put them in the cage. The yeah. listeners... Pick numbers 1 through 70, and we have a list of 70 killers, 70 objects. They pick the numbers, so that's how this all comes to be. And who do we got tonight? I mean, this one's a different one for us. We haven't seen it this. Is. So uh, we have the trippy hippie, Charles Manson. <laughs> the trippy And that fucking OG gangster, Al Capone. <laughs> nice. Fucking right, Shakers, man. baby. Yeah, man. Yeah, I was thinking we should have Bob weigh in on this yeah, one. Yeah, what you uh, got, Bob? Yeah, Charles Manson and Al Capone fighting with what, CK? Two objects our listeners picked. Um, a thermosil with hot pus, uh, a bucket of battery acid. Nice. Yeah, that's fun. And, and this variable is great. It's Joe Biden with a chainsaw. Oh, fuck yeah, right, man, right. Joe Biden. So, we got Charles Manson and Al Capone fighting to death with a thermos filled with hot pus that's fucking disgusting and a bucket of battery acid oh i know what's gonna happen the variable is joe biden with a chainsaw i know chris what are you thinking i don't even get political about shit but joe biden's gonna fall asleep because i've seen him on tv yeah (laughs) he might ain't even political that might just lull him to sleep and he's gonna fall on the chainsaw and cut his head open oh okay so that's done (laughs) okay Uh, Manson, he's going to be sitting over there like, nah, come on, man, peace and love, whatever. Get all his ifies over there. Fucking goddamn Capone. He's just going to be like, hey, grab that acid, boys, throw it on them. And he wins. So you're thinking uh, yeah. Capone's going to Capone. throw the battery acid on Manson? Yeah, Capone's throwing the acid on Manson. Wow. I, I, got, I got a different take on it. Oh, what do you think, you CK? Got? Here's what I think. I think you're going to have Charles Manson. He's gonna he's gonna get to the uh, battery acid first because Capone isn't you know <laughs> the healthiest looking person. Right. Word. He's gonna throw the battery acid in Capone's eyes. Okay. And with his with his powers of persuasion, like like he got all the family members to kill for him. Right. He's gonna have Joe Biden with the chainsaw. Oh wow! Cut the head off of Al Capone. Oh damn. <laughs> Damn, dude. Then, then, then him and um, Joe Biden are gonna um, light up a fucking joint and just smoke it. Okay. When it's done. All right. I have an, I, I, I like that, Joey. What do you think? I got an even different theory. I, What's I, that? I thought of another theory too. <laughs> but the way I see it is, I think uh, whenever it all starts up, Al Capone, he's gonna bribe Joe Biden. He's gonna buy him <laughs> off and get the chainsaw. Oh, okay. Which he's gonna overpower Manson. And he's going to take the chainsaw and cut him in his asshole, but just a little bit, and then pour in a little sulfuric acid and a little of the pus, and then take the chainsaw, cut it a little more, a little more sulfuric. He's going to continue to do that until Manson finally is just dead. Oh, wow. Oh, God. My second theory real quick is like, my second theory real quick is like, Manson's just like, Whoa, acid, man. Fuck yeah, yeah bro. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some of that. Yeah. 
That's uh, yeah, that's interesting. Well, I tell you, after all of what you guys, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think Capone obviously physically much more superior than Manson, but Manson's a shifty motherfucker, and he's definitely street savvy, and he might be able to even overpower a power Biden to get the chainsaw. Right. But Capone's a big boy, and even though he was, you know, the boss and probably had a lot of other people doing his shit, I guarantee you he's fucked some people up oh, in yeah, his life. So sure. it'd be an interesting battle, but I, I liked the, the takes that you guys had. That was good. <laughs> that was good. Well, that's a favorite part of the show. Always fun to do those. And, of course, we've got our uh, season's beatings coming okay, up, right, so that's right. going to be awesome. It's going to be coming up quick. Uh I've got a little bit of an update of Creation of Chaos 3. I've been working on the fifth story for this one uh, called Someone Else's Blood. At least at this time, that's what it's still called. Uh, Things have been going really well. I'm almost done with it. Uh, Getting ready to write my version of the H.P. Lovecraft story, The Thing on the Doorstep. I've been kind of saving it because I wanted to really be in a groove when I hit this one, and I'm really excited to do it. I've got my own take on the story i'm simplifying it a little bit and modernizing it and i think it's going to be really cool so i'm excited to do that i'm excited to hear it for uh having read eyes have it which you did you know no i haven't either based yeah it was cool it's awesome yeah it was cool to see how you uh took the the feeling and the ideas that they did with that story to put it into your own but you can still tell like you know you're influenced by it so now i'm curious to see the lovecraft stuff cool yeah, thanks. I I did really. Uh, I'm very happy with the eyes have it. So, did you read that one? I, yet? I have not. I need to. Like I said, my daughter fucking. I emailed it to her because she wanted to check it out. But. Sure. No, that's cool. I'd be anxious to see what she has to say about it. Uh, so anyway, I've been doing really well with this and cranking up to finish the book. Uh, I am going to be doing a phone conference tomorrow with artist Brian Usual, who's going to do the cover uh, for this one. I know uh, used Joey last time and try to keep it mixing it up. You know, we've been doing some work with Jeff Gaither for the podcast, and I like using, you know, different artists for different projects. And so I'm anxious to talk with Brian about that tomorrow. So that should be. That should be cool, and I hope that the book is done for next year, and I will do an audio version of it as well. So, uh, Now, last week, we played you a 10-minute clip of my story, The Creep, a little piece of that. Uh, this week, I'm going back uh, old school for me, uh, Creation of Chaos 1, uh, this one called The Jesus Tree, and of course, I've mentioned That's this before. That's right? Yeah, Uh, based on a real tree of that name. uh, But my story creates a backstory of how the tree came to be there and why it's called that. And it's a very gruesome story, a little bit of a ghost story element to it. Uh, And so this is the very first... One of them horror-type novels. Horror-type novels. Uh, A five-minute piece of it. just the beginning part of it kind of the setup for it so i hope you like this and uh, check out the jesus tree the jesus tree written by pete altieri narrated by pete altieri i don't think i will live to see another day from the sound of it they've got my house surrounded if you could hear the creaking of the sturdy wood frame of the 60 year old home 
you might just understand my predicament. I don't expect anyone to grasp the extreme peril that I am currently in. The candlelight I'm using is flickering now, as the boards moan and groan under the tremendous pressure, I know time is short. I've taken to writing down the events that have led to this moment. There is a neat stack of papers I've got on the side table drawer next to my makeshift bed. I'm going to try and stay awake all night to finish what has already taken me nearly a month to compile. However, at my advanced age and condition, that has become increasingly difficult. My breathing is shallow, and I can feel the beating of my heart weaken with every stroke of the pen. They say there are no atheists in foxholes. I believe that now more than ever. I never was much of a religious person, but after what started in July of 1925, I changed my mind. It didn't take long for me to seek out the help of the clergy when things started to go wrong. With all their good intentions, even the men of the cloth weren't able to do much more than prolong the agony a little. I need to tell my story as difficult as it may be so that people know what happened to Franklin Philip Manville. I believe that once they are done with me, there will be nothing left. Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, and dust to dust will be the literal end for this miserable thing I've endured called life. I can't blame anyone but myself for all of this. When I'm done writing this down, I can only hope that in some way I can prevent such a cursed thing from ever happening again. The wind is howling outside. Despite the fact that they have the house surrounded and in their firm grasp, I can hear it nipping at the asbestos cement roof shingles and shaking the storm shutters. I can also hear the wood continue to creak like it might snap at any minute and bring the entire house down upon my wretched self. I can also hear the faint sounds of fireworks in the distance. That means it's the 4th of July. Where my house sits, I can hear the annual fireworks from both Danbury on the Connecticut side to my east and the Brewster, New York side to my west. For most people, the 4th of July is a time of fun in the sun and a celebration of our nation's independence. Yet for me, it's an annual date with the reason why I'm hiding in my attic, eating canned goods, and praying each night that I live to see another day. Every 4th of July, she comes to pay me a visit. She slithers into my house, and no matter where I manage to hide, she finds me. I can smell the rot and decay before she shows herself. I can hear that high-pitched laugh of hers from a distance before she comes to call. She reminds me of what I did to cause the horrible curse that has descended upon the once great Manville family farm and estate. I see that grotesque face in my dreams each night. She never lets me forget. I know that before midnight, she will be here to taunt me. She will remind me once again what I did and why my life has been one long tormented curse. Today marks 50 years since that humid night in July of 1925 when all this began, and I shudder at the thought 
of what she has in store for our annual get-together. I boarded up the attic access hatch, but I know it's no use. For now, all I can do is write as quickly as my gnarled arthritic fingers will allow. My body is falling apart slowly, and my mind has trouble focusing like it did in my youth. Yet I must continue. As the wind shakes the house to the foundation, and the cracking sounds of wood breaking begin to escalate with the ticking of my clock. It's almost midnight. She will be here soon. I think I can hear that godforsaken laughing coming from downstairs. God help me. All right, so I hope you yeah, guys like the Jesus Tree intro there. Like I said, well, let's do it. Like the whole thing, like you said, the girl down there laughing. Like... I, I like the way it sounded, man. I cool. know. Thanks. I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you like that, uh, that's on Creation of Chaos 1. You can go on Amazon if you want to buy it that way, or you could buy it from me and get a signed poster and a bookmark with your order. So check out the episode description if you want to get your own copy. Uh, an audio version of that book will be available in 2021 as I go back and record all three of the books in audio form. So eventually they'll all be there. Um, I mentioned last week that I'm going to be starting my own podcast, and it's going to be called uh, uh, Voice of Dread Podcast here on the Horns High Podcast Network. So Murder Metal Mayhem and Voice of Dread will be on the same network. And we're also talking with another network, another podcaster, friend of ours, uh, possibly coming along and being a part of what we're doing here. So I'm really excited about that, and we'll keep you posted. But uh, things are, you know, moving along and nicely. And uh, definitely start that podcast in January. Uh, it's going to be a biweekly show with updates on my writing, uh, some excerpts like you heard there, uh, discussion on horror books, movies, stuff like that, Have interviews. people and shit, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be... St- it's going to be similar to what we're doing here, but a little different. So if you're digging on Murder, Metal, Mayhem, I think you'll probably like it. Uh, so I wanted to play you guys the intro that I came up with for the show. So check this out. It's about 40 seconds. Warning. This is a hostile takeover of your brain. You are about to enter a dark and disturbing world where horrible things are hiding in the closet, under your bed, and lurking in the shadows. Despite your harsh new reality, have no fear. You are hearing the narrator of your new chaos. I will guide you, so hold my hand and don't mind all the screaming. You are listening to the Voice of Dread podcast on the Horntie Podcast Network. There you go. There it is. All right. So that'll be the intro for the new podcast. So that's going to be cool. And like I said, will affect this. No, not at all. It'll be the same. I'll be doing everything the same as we usually do. Oh, it's going to be a fucking straight up fight, dude. It's going to be like, <laughs> just like these season beatings, right? Jesus <laughs> right? Christ, man. Yeah. Seasons beatings is going to be amazing. Uh, we've got our lists of killers together. We're going to pair up killers with musicians should be funny we've actually throw a wrinkle in this we came up with the idea to pull in a couple of 
dead musicians, so there's zombie musicians. So Dude, they'll be fighting with just, the the serial killers. What's that, Chris? I don't know who you guys picked, but you saw what if, mine, didn't you? No, no, no. That that's I don't know oh, you, yeah. who you guys picked, oh, yeah. but what if we did a fucking musician killer if we did goddamn varg dude that would have been like <laughs> god damn <laughs> then pick him yeah we could pick <laughs> no I'll say you can yeah there you go yeah do varg that's a good idea so uh we're gonna pair these nice. up so there'll be 16 matches just like we did with hell coming uh artist jeff gaither is sponsoring this one it starts in december first week uh, he's sending us 11 by 17 prints for the studio. It's going to be awesome. Hand-signed. And one of them, Chris, will go to the grand prize winner. So that'll be Fucking a cool right, thing. Man. And uh, we're also going to have some Murder Metal Mayhem merch. New shirts we got coming up. We got to be amazing. We just all had a discussion about the design. Yeah. They're going to be tight. Y'all are going to want these. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Kick ass. Yeah, I want to wait until we see something from Jeff. Right. But Jeff is doing the t-shirt design. It's going to be sick. All we're going to tell you, one clue, is we're going with a little zombie theme with it's this. It's going to be so. pretty badass. It's going to be really wait. cool. If it looks anything like what I have in my head, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be really cool. It's just going to be a picture of my zombie dick. That's it. <laughs> Nothing but that. <laughs> so... Uh, so we're going to have uh, prizes for the different – got four contestants uh, that will be playing. We don't have them yet, we'll be, but we will be. Uh, the grand prize winner, though, gets to co-host the murder segment with us, just like we've done before. We're going to have Chris doing fucking – Oh, that's soon. going to be so cool, man. Another Chris, Chris. Wurstrom. I don't even think about that. God damn Oh, yeah, that's true. We'll just what? have to call him Gorspawn. Oh, yeah, that'd we'll be fucked We'll just have to call him call him Gorspawn. Yeah, this fucking show attracting Chris. Yeah, Ed Kemper, the final episode hey, of the man. year. That's going to be so sick. Yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, co-ed killer. That's well, going to be I mean, great. That, that was Joey's for a while, dude. Like, unstoppable. Yeah, man. there was. Chris yeah, like me, three man. of them. Yeah, that was funny. So, all right. So, uh, we'll uh, keep you posted on that, but watch out on Facebook for a chance to be one of those four finalists. So Yeah, definitely check it out. It's yeah. going to be fun time you'll get like set pizza get some cool shit and just have a fun time yeah hanging out fuck yeah so all right guys well we've done plenty of mayhem tonight so let's hit that fucking outro Dillinger. Dillinger Escape Plan, When I Lost My Bet, it's a song. Yeah, their fucking tempos and beats are like way the They fuck are off really whacked out, awesome, man. Dude. Yeah, I knew you liked them, so I was thinking of something to play. So, bumper music tonight, some Dillinger Escape Plan, Fate's Warning, and Jag Panzer. Jag Panzer. And uh, Joey, who the fuck's sure doing some Yag CK Panzer. intro music? CK's music is done by Chrysix. Hell yeah. And Chris, Murder oh, Metal Mayhem low intro. motherfucking 12, bitches. <laughs> and CK, who's providing that 6-6 six, six, fucking 6 each week for us? Onslaught. That's right. That's right. Uh, so uh, we appreciate all of that. Yeah, fuck uh, yeah dude. Anybody, any of the bands that just like, like especially like uh, Onslaught, just yeah. like straight up, like, yeah, use that shit. Yeah, bro. he was all about it. Nige Rocket was really yeah, cool to tell us to just it, use dude. it. 
Uh, so go check out SpellboundEffectsAndArt.com. We talk about them all the time, but they are amazing. Tony Campagna is just such a great guy, very creative, sick motherfucker, he making make, it like Ed Gein was at your house. You yeah, know? if you want some shit for real, he'll do custom shit. Hit him yeah. up and be like, hey, I want this. Yeah. What can you do? That Gory for? shit. I mean, bands, fucking record labels want to put like some dead baby heads gonna, at stage. Yeah, right? I ain't going to say it's only co- going to cost you like 100 bucks, depending on what you want. But oh, God no. Damn, it's quality shit. It you is. You get what you pay for, yeah. and you're going to fucking love every piece of it, dude. Yeah, when we have it's people come over to the table they're like fuck yeah that shit looks so real man feels real yeah Yeah. it's fucking awesome man. it's amazing so tony is so great spellbound effects and art.com go check it out thanks to everybody out there listening we keep seeing the numbers rolling in just under three thousand total listens this week so thank you very much uh, we appreciate everyone. Fucking Lake Stevens, Washington, still number Washington. one. 11% of the listeners coming from Lake Stevens, Washington. So, wow. That is amazing. And we have finally another, well, we had one last week, but this one even more specific. Chris, a first uh, commenter coming from Lake Stevens. Yeah, Rob Banksley. <laughs> What's up, Rob? What's going out there in Washington, dude? Oh, yeah, Fuck man. Yeah, man. It says, uh, listening from Washington State, I work near Lake Stevens and listen to you guys all the time now. Love that shit. The Mayhem stories are the fucking best. And fuck yeah, dude. Like, let us know what's up out there in Lake Stevens, Washington. Yeah, man. that's awesome, man. <laughs> Fucking come out there and get partying with you. Fuck. <laughs> Joey, what's the next one there? Uh, Rachel Summers, 87. She commented, I absolutely loved hearing Pete read that part of his story, and I can't wait to hear more. Well, hopefully, you just listened to this episode. That's right. Got a little Jesus tree in yeah. you there. So, all right, uh, CK, you got a good one to read here. <laughs> Satan is my homie, 666, commented. I listen from Ontario and Canada. You guys are really great. I tell as many people as I can about you. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Satan's my homie, too, dude. That's really cool. I read that. I was like, oh, fuck, no. Uh, sounds like it sounds like a song right right donna dirksen it's like a fucking icp song (laughs) (laughs) right totally donna dirksen commented i'm in the navy and i listen to you guys in italy hell yeah my homeland there uh loving the podcast and can't wait to hear you cover ed kemper the co-ed killer right man we've been waiting on some ed kemper i'll tell you what i'm gonna be in on this too yeah it's gonna be killer last episode of this uh year we actually recorded on December 29th, but the day it comes out is the New Year's Eve uh, will be when it's out. So you'll get it in 2020, the Ed Kemper episode. 2021. Oh, be yeah, killer. 21. Uh, so don't forget to check out MurderMetalMayhem.com to listen to all the past episodes. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And you could check us out now on Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, iTunes, and many, many more. Leave comments, please. It helps us rise up in the ratings. Uh, rate the show. Let us know what you think. It's a great way to you know, tell other people what you dig. If they see you commenting, they're more apt to uh, give it a listen. Uh, you could support the show. We talk about this all the time, Chris. That's that 666 Club. Club, man. Goddamn, go, go get some. Yeah, patreon.com slash Mayhem. Of course, all this stuff we'll link to in the episode description, but you can join 
For three bucks a month, Joey. I mean, hell yeah. Dude, and now get... we've, we've stacked up some more things in there. Right. So it's like super worth yeah, it. The Dahmer plus, episode, the Ramirez episode, all those interviews. The, yeah. Plus you're getting the fucking uh, hookup on the fucking gear and shit. And we're get, about to get new shirts. That's and right. Whatnot. 10% well, off dude, of merch when boom. you're in the 666 Club. So you need to go do that. That's right. Uh, you could go to PeteAltieri.com if you want to pick up one of my books. And we can't let them go, though, without hearing a karaoke song. I did this one just with the city of Boston in mind because they always play this at the fucking Red Sox game. So I thought, why not? CK, I hope you enjoyed this one. (laughs) Fuck Red Sox. So crank it the fuck up. And until next time, keep one foot in the gutter. And keep wrapping your mama's panties around her neck. Bye. Where it began, I can't begin to know when, but then I know it's growing strong. Was it the spring? And spring became the summer. Who'd have believed you'd come along? Hands, touching hands, reaching out, touching me. Touching
the man.